Hello and welcome to the Into the North podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Noobzors. And today we have a special episode, not one of our standard episodes. Um, today we are joined by two non-hosts um, for a... We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll have, uh, we'll have my... One of our regular co-hosts, Spleenface, will be taking over as our as our main uh, moderator and, and question asker because today's episode is all about the Gitrog monster, and uh, we've got Leptis and and Kibitzen with us um, to to discuss this. It's it's not going to be a, uh, a, a just a, a basic intro to the deck. We're going to really get into the nitty gritty. So let's uh, let's have our our main moderator question asker spleen face uh take over from here uh, yeah so uh this episode uh, we've got our three gibberog experts who as already mentioned are Noobzars, and leptus uh and i'm sort of here as someone who maybe knows a little bit less about the deck to you know ask questions and you know sit in the middle and, and make sure everything stays civil nuns at each other's throats um <laughs> And you know, just sort of move, uh, move things along when they when they have to. So uh, let's get to that now. Uh, our first guest who's here today is Kibitzen. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm I'm Kibitzen on on pretty much every platform. Um, I've been playing Gitrog since I since I saw the first Bruise Day, um, pretty much right when I joined the uh, the Reddit. Um, group I, I started looking at the the bruise days and got really excited about these crazy loops um started playing the deck and, and wrote my primer um not long after that uh, and i've been brewing ever since all right thanks for that uh, and our next guest guest is leptus hello everybody uh yeah my name is leptus also known as leptus 207 in the subreddit in the CDH subreddit, at least. I started uh, EDH, I think, in 2015. Then 2000, 2016, I started playing competitively. And, two th- on, and on, in the summer of 2017, I started playing Gitrog. So I have a few years of experience with both competitive EDH as well as uh, playing with the Gitrog monster. And yeah, uh, I wrote a primer of my own in the summer of 2017. And... Also, you might uh, recognize me from the uh, Lab Maniacs deck tech that we also put up in the late months of uh, 2017. So, yeah, I've been very involved with the with the deck and its evolution. All right, and uh, Nudzers, you've introduced yourself before, but is there anything you want to say about yourself in the context of Gitrog before we dive in? Um, so Gitrog was, was kind of my first high tier competitive deck. Uh, I started in, it was, it was basically, so my first CDH deck was, was Veral's, um, Veral's Hulk by Sick Robot. Um, and then quickly after that, I realized that, oh my God, this deck dies to like every stacks piece because we were in a green white meta. I was like, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's move along to something else. Um, and that's when I found Gitrog. Uh, I'd been aware of the deck before I'd played against it a bunch. Uh, I was actually quite knowledgeable about it because I was playing Marin at uh, GP Toronto over the summer um, of 2017, and there in every deck, in every I ran into there was a Gitrock deck in almost every pod. And uh, after reading um, 
some primers uh, about it, I was like, okay, I know exactly what they're going to do and what they're doing there. They're trying to be coy, you know, they're casting their, their scourge familiar and they're like, oh, you know, I'll pass the turn. I'm like, guys, this Git Rock deck needs to die. Uh, this yep. is what's going to happen. And then, you know, from there, I eventually joined the the dark side <laughs> and took up Git Rock, uh, you know, in 2017, uh, Leptis' primer, Kibitson's primer, just read everything I could and uh, uh, joined the Frog Discord. And, you know, from there, the rest is, the rest is history. Lots of uh, brewing and innovations going on, uh, meeting lots of new Frog players, uh, good times all around. Yeah, to be honest, okay. uh, uh, Noobzors has been one of the most productive and sportsmanlike uh, characters in the Frog community. So his, his uh, addition to our ranks has been very welcomed. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot. Absolutely. Super sad. Right. You guys, <laughs> you guys are also great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I love everyone on the Frog Discord. We've got such a good group. I mean, it's easy to call them uh, sporting when you don't play against them much. But uh... <laughs> good point. Uh, okay, so, so all of our guests here have primers. We'll link uh, any lists they want to show off um, in the description of this podcast. So this isn't about an intro to uh, the deck or sort of the basics. We're really going to be trying to do a deep dive and get into some harder questions and the questions that maybe even the really experienced pilots of this deck disagree on. Uh, But before we do that, we're just going to do a very brief overview, just in case you don't know much about the deck. Uh, So the first bit of that is, uh, what does your average game look like? Let's start with Leptis. All right. So uh, I've, at least from us three, I think I'm probably the most conservative uh, player, even on the Git Rock mm-hmm. side of things, which is very, very head-on and aggressive uh, a lot of the time. But basically the uh, game plan is to um, construct this combo of just getting a discard outlet and Gitrog on the field, as well as a Dagmar Salvage in our ha- in our hand, so we can go off. So basically, we just uh, try and ramp into Gitrog and get her on the field as soon as possible, and then just land a discard outlet, tutor a Dagmar, and start going off with the with the combo that I'm not gonna go into right now because I hope our uh, we're gonna assume st- you guys know that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna assume you guys know that already. At least the the, just the basics. Yeah, yep. all the variations uh, too. You better know all all the. Uh, well, we can we can talk about some of that uh, later or, or now. Like, there's there's a bunch of different um, loops. The loops have changed over the years or, or months. However, you want to yeah. quantify this, but um, you know, from thinking certain pieces were necessary uh, and and outlet cards and, and whatnot. Um, so I don't know if all the primers are necessarily up to date with some of the loops. Um, uh, Cabe, have you updated your primer with uh, bios loops? Do you know? It's it's pretty out of date. Okay, yeah. yeah. So if you want if you I want the most up to date loops, you know, come to the Gitrog server and uh, you know, bug one of the uh, the people in who are purple or green with the the roles to explain the loops to you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's yeah. probably the best yeah. uh, way to find out the the precise most up to date information. I'm trying my best to update the 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 primer as as much as I can, and I've updated at least the 
the crop rotation uh, uh, loops with um, well whatever we, we can go into that later but uh, what I've done in the updating side of things is very brutal and very uh, uh, pragmatic I've just added the stuff in their corresponding sections and I have not cut anything and it looks confusing as all hell but uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it seems I've like after this we totally should somewhere. write a uh, write a doc yeah um, put together a pdf that's you know these are all the different loops that you might want to use um so that people call. can you know slam down their pdf at the uh, at the gp and say look here <laughs> I, I win i would like to propose <laughs> i would like to propose a Lep- shortcut lefty says lefty says this is good <laughs> you guys should all concede <laughs> yep. yeah get get all of the uh take screenshots of all the time we harass judges chat Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, but what when it when it comes to, down to uh, the game plan is just get a discard outlet, get Kitrog, and ramp into both of those as fast as you can, and then keep up your land drops so you don't have to sacrifice Kitrog, and then tutor for Dakmore and win. Sometimes exactly. you use an ad nauseum or a necropotence to assemble your combo pieces, but uh, most of the time you can just naturally draw into one combo piece and then tutor the other which is very, very uh, usual for this and natural for this deck to operate. So that's also one of the reasons why it's so unpredictable, because it doesn't rely on on these uh, linchpin cards like Ad Nauseam or Necropotence to go off all the time. But yeah. Yeah, I've often heard the deck described as a cockroach because it, it just won't die. Um, <laughs> That's even good. even if your board is empty and you're you're back down on two lands or something like that or or even zero um within a couple turns you can come back and combo off um pretty pretty consistently yeah spleen spleen just... would be able to to say a lot playing against the get rog what what sort of that like I, i've definitely heard him say stuff like you know, oh my god, the Gitrog monster is a threat. I'm like, I don't, I have Gitrog in play, and I've got like no cards in hand. He's like, I know, <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, Gitrog is is in play. There's no, uh, there's no, no discounting the fact that you could easily just win from there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. You can there are so many cards you can draw that just that just get you there. You have so much card advantage. Just why I recommend Zer's weird. Make sure they can't draw cards. <laughs> yeah if anyone wants to know there's a there was a game tournament game with uh kibitzen and spleen where there's weirding just was an absolute monster <laughs> card is brutal <laughs> um okay anything else from this question spleen uh i guess we can quickly go through uh, the next part which is uh what turn are you looking to play the Gerhard monster and when are you trying to combo it as soon as possible, usually, I think. Yeah, yeah. Turn turn one onward. <laughs> you're trying to play it and combo. Yeah. The I, only... I pretty much try to combo every turn that I think that I possibly can. Um, I, I am an incredibly aggressive uh, frog player. I know Leptis said that he's he's a little less or a little more conservative, um, but that my favorite part about the game is the fact that it is so resilient that you can try to combo on turn two, and if you get stopped you can probably still try to combo on turn three and again on turn four and again on t- turn five yeah. if if you keep getting stopped. Like, the deck is just so, so resilient 
um, that I just always try to go for it if I think it's a possibility. I think um, I'm so somewhere you, between leftist and Kibitzin in terms of you know conservative, aggressive players. Um, mm-hmm. There was a game recently where you know I had the option to cast an ad nauseum main phase and you know sort of go for it from there but i was like uh you know i'll wait to, to eat up some counter magic and, and that sort of thing and, and those stuff obviously i'm sure keeps does as well um it, it does no, it does it's just com- jam it yeah yeah i just jam it <laughs> <laughs> no fear <laughs> make no them have fear. it yeah okay yeah um, but yeah I'm, you kind of read read the pod yeah yeah, yeah by uh, contrast okay, so yeah go ahead oh, sorry go ahead no, no, go okay, ahead. okay 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 um yeah on contrast while uh uh, Kibitzin goes uh, balls deep on on the lines, and uh, Noob Source could be either or. I'm the guy who always gets life from the loam and starts <laughs> grinding into the into the infinity. I don't, I don't think I've ever tutored life from the loam. I wow, that's tutored, actually insane. I tutor I it always all the go time. for the win. Sometimes I draw life from the loam, but I, I don't think I've ever tutored it. Yeah, I, I okay, tutor it Kibitzin, all the time. You mentioned term two. How realistic is casting the frog on turn two? Like, does it happen ten percent, fifty percent, one percent of the time? I I don't know if I can put a percentage to it, but it's a it's a surprisingly high amount of the time you're able to cast frog on turn two. Usually, the gating factor is the, getting the colored mana, um, and that's why that's why it happens on turn two more than more than it ever does on turn one, because um, you you have so many sources of mana. Um, so many rituals, so many, so many mana positive cards, um, but but it often comes down to making sure that you can get the get one of each color because um, a lot of the rituals, like you you dark ritual with your the land you played for turn, but then you've only got black mana, so you've got you know some artifacts that get you the rest of the mana, but you you still need that green. Um, so th- things like that tend to be the gate. Um, the easiest and, turn to frog is definitely just mana crypt. Oh, so not mana crypt. Uh, mana, mana vault. Mana vault. Mana vault yeah. yeah, mana vault with a swamp and then a forest, um, and you got you got a turn two frog. So there, I mean, that's that's one card that that by itself in your hand, um, you know, with with some lands gets you turn two frog. And on top of that, there are you know a handful of of rituals um, and mana positive things that that can you know have you have two of them in your hand um and that gets you turn two frog as well so turn two frog is pretty pretty surprisingly common um though often you want to deploy some other stuff first and then drop frog on turn three when you can then follow it up with um the discard outlet and the win um because as it turns out people are are starting to become wise to the fact that if they let you keep a frog um it doesn't usually go well for them um yeah okay. Uh, oh, sorry, we forgot to. I think we, we did. We we didn't mention that this question was from uh, Ifeno. I don't think. Um, so yeah, Ifeno, thanks for those questions. Okay. Yeah, the other part of this was how aggressively do you mulligan? But we actually have a section later on where we're going to go much more in depth into mulliganing. So now uh, we'll uh, answer the questions you have there. Yes. Uh, and the last thing I want to say before we uh, dive into the history of Gero Common is that. Uh, we're going to be omitting the rules discussion around what is and isn't slow play and which combos you can do without the risk of that and which you can't, uh, because we're trying to organize just a brief little talk with uh, as high a level judge as we can to really uh, nail everything down. So that will not be a focus. Yep. 
it's also a discussion worth uh, a couple hours by itself. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, without further ado, uh, let's jump in to the history of Gibrog. Uh, and I guess we kick it off with Leptis. All right. So, even though uh, out of us three, I'm not the first player uh, of Gitrog. Uh, Kibitzen is uh, the first one, but at, uh, I've been uh, around the CEDH community uh, and the Discord community as well as the Reddit community for a while before I started playing Gitrog myself. It started uh, actually on the day Gitrog was spoiled. It was, I think, May, uh, uh, May 2016. Uh, the the early summer or the late spring, where we held uh, our uh, subreddit Discord uh, for CDH held their first Bruce Day, uh, for uh, which was held by the Gitrock Monster, and there were people like uh, Shaper Savant, which is one of our head moderators in the CDH Discord, as well as the subreddit, as well as uh, uh, Razliox, who uh, has been a big Golgari player in the past with uh, things like uh, Jarad Graveyard Midrange. You might know that deck from MTG Salvation. But um, uh, uh, there were uh, several several other people as well uh, helping brew the deck. But uh, what it came down to was uh, Razliox was one of the, the main people playtesting the deck and he just came up with all these crazy lines and uh, combos with uh, the cozy leg the, and uh, shuffling effects and looping looping a single spell to kill a player or just go off with something and uh, this horse four horsemen-ish combo package uh, carried on to his list which is called uh, Get Good Monster Dredge I think um, uh, you can find that on Tapped Out as well as uh, some other outlets you can also oh, we'll, we'll link to that in the uh, show notes for this podcast. Yeah, you can find it from there. But uh, basically, that's where it all started. That was the first fine-tuned Gitrock Monster deck. Uh, and uh, after at least a few months, I think, and uh, that's that was the time when Kibitzen got his uh, uh, list and primer up. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, I was I was a little later to join the actual um, subreddit, but as soon as I joined the subreddit, I, I saw the Bruise Day list that they had come up with, um, which which if you look at, is pretty incredible how close it is to the to the list we're playing today. Um, they're they're running a lot of the same core, um, but I saw that list and I just got so excited by that deck that I I built it immediately, um, and it wasn't I don't think it was until later in. 2017 that I actually released my primer took took me a while to figure out all the loops and start actually um, writing them down and trying to sort of synthesize them into something that was digestible um, but I started playing as, as soon as I could because I just I couldn't get enough of those uh, those fancy loops yeah I love stacking I, triggers I, I love I, I love responding to uh, to other people doing stuff with winning um, <laughs> and so that yeah. was that was incredibly satisfying to me um, yeah. And so, yeah, I've I've just been innovating on it since since I first saw it. Then, yeah. Uh, to add to that, I, by contrast, was horrified of the Gitrog monster by the time it came out because of the complexity and the amount of rules, controversies that surround the four horsemen ish 
uh, stuff as well as the discard step loop and I actually avoided the deck like a plague for six months at least uh, or even eight months uh, but at the start of January when the uh, 2017 winter CDH subreddit uh, started the tournament for CDH I was like hell I have I have no idea how this deck works but let's try it out and then I went ahead and won the around 50 person uh, tournament which was kind of incredible for a person who hasn't played the deck prior to the uh, uh, start of the tournament <laughs> so yeah I ran Razliox's list at the time and uh, uh, at the start of May the tournament ended with me as the winner and uh, I went ahead and tuned my own version of the deck and wrote a primer for it in the summer 2017. So a couple of months after Keep It Sense primer came out. Yeah, um, and then I about yeah, like I said, September 2017 is about when I started playing uh, Gitrog. Um, and, and you know, the complex the complexity of the deck was definitely a draw uh, for for how I what I wanted to play. You know, all the loops it just was really tantalizing to to learn them all. Um, and definitely when I first started playing, uh, Spleen and, and Null would like shit test me on making sure like they wouldn't just scoop automatically. They'd make sure I knew all the loops and how to do everything. And so that was fun. And then now, <laughs> so I, just got, I got pretty good at, at being able to, to, to do them. And then, uh, now everyone just scoops. So now I'm super rusty when I have to do loops again. And then... <laughs> You're not the only one. You're not yeah. the only one. That's why we need a duck. We'll, we'll get that done. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that. I, I have been guilty of uh, of bringing up my primer on my phone and just showing it to people when they ask me to do the loops. <laughs> like, no, I like, trust me. I've uh, I have done these loops before. <laughs> I wrote this primer. Yeah. <laughs> just take a look here. Um. Yeah. And then so if we're, just more more history wise. So when I um. I played, I think, Lapis's list straight up for a uh, for a while, just to kind of while well, I was getting my my feet under me, and then um, like Le- like Leptis did to Rasdiok's list, you know, started making my own tweaks. Um, I think one of the first things I did was uh, put in a hand attack because uh, I think that was standard yeah. in Kibitzin's list at the time. Um, and yeah, I tested that out early on. Yeah, it was it was very. I, I quite liked the hand attack quite a lot. Um, able to be proactive in disrupting opponents and, and pretty aggressive when trying to combo off to eat counter spells for, for a single black man. It was, was quite strong. Um, and then I, I started thinking a lot about um, Gitrog and slot efficiency. I think one of the first uh, first things I ever said on the Frog Discord was uh, why not collective brutality over Praetor's Grasp um, as an outlet card. Um that was based off the my, my testing with the hand attack and enjoying it a lot. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, I kept suggesting things that people thought were crazy yep. <laughs> at the time. <laughs> um, Which, yeah, that's yeah. how innovation happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> there, um, the more people I got a nickname. Uh, tell, you, tell you that uh, your suggestions and your ideas are complete bullcrap. Uh, the more you can be sure that you're going in the right direction when it comes to innovation. Yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of it, a lot of the innovation wasn't necessarily um, like there were some new cards. Like I know, uh, I think survival was uh, me, and then 
Ulamog was obviously me, um, but or like the Ulamog loops. I, I think I looked back in the Discord and someone had mentioned Ulamog earlier, but I think that was mostly in terms of uh, well, the general utility if you ever have to if cast. You could it. use the yeah. other one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of what I was what I was doing, I think, was sort of questioning um, card choices and trying to improve slot efficiency. Um, or, or some cards that were kind of like included by default. I think like Dryad Arbor was one that I just wanted to get rid of so badly. <laughs> I hate that card, man, so much. Um, yeah, I mean, you did a lot of really good work um, sort of changing the way cards were looked at um, to to focus more on um, making sure that the cards are individually powerful um, and not just that they, you know, uh, sort of, have decent synergy with other cards that are being played um which i think is a smart approach um in a format where there's no guarantee that you're going to get any two pairings of cards um you have to you have to sort of pay attention to how does this card stand on its own um and and dried arbor is a perfect example of that right like it it has a lot of really interesting and useful synergies um that like make a handful of other cards slightly better or have slightly more options, right? Like it, it gives you an option to um, do the uh, the tutor, uh, the creature tutors, have those go get a land if you need a land to discard. Um, and it makes the uh, Green Sun Zenith turn into a, a ramp option instead of just going to get discard, discard outlets or yeah, uh, protection. The but by itself, it's just pretty bad. And the amount that it adds to those other couple cards it sort of doesn't really outweigh the, the card quality that you lose by including it. And I think that was that was sort of a shift, a paradigm shift that you introduced into the way that we as a, a Discord started evaluating the cards. I think that was very helpful. Yeah, I think also, um, I mean, I, I kind of, when I was, I I'd thought about the, uh, when, I, when I thought about the Ulamog loops, um, I I think I'd, I'd told Spleen, I think I was on them with uh, Spleen and Null. You guys were privy to the Ulamog loops, I'm pretty sure, before I mentioned them on the Discord server, because I was testing with them. Um, but I was... When I, when I debuted, when I, when I kind of posted the Ulamog loops, I think people were talking about it on the server, and I was like, or they're, they're, I feel like it felt like they were getting close to it. I was like, ah, I just got to spoil, spoil all the stuff I was thinking about. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, in that, also stuff that isn't necessarily uh, playable. Like, I, like you know, so, some of the stuff in Frog, this is why it's such a fun deck, is you can think of things like uh, using um, oh man, a Chain of Smog as a discard out. Or yeah. uh, <laughs> that was that was a fun That's one. That's one of the crazy ones. Yeah, I like that. Or um, the the like alternate doomsday loops, uh, or, yeah. or wind gone piles and things like that. Um, but yeah, and you know, since then, like definitely bouncing ideas off the uh, the Get Rock Discord and and uh, you know, Keeb definitely inspired. Um, you you wouldn't you wouldn't give up on Basalt Monolith, which made me like really <laughs> inclined to test yep. it. Uh, and then that, that ha that's how we got to like Somberwald Sage and whatnot. So, you know, constant back and, and forth. And later to uh, to Draga as well. Yes, uh, which we'll talk about later or in the next cool. section. Um, yeah, and it was it was your changes that inspired me to to run a run a new deck list, try some crazy things when I uh, when I played in the the Cockatrice tournament that was held. Um, I forget it was a while back. Um, I think it was uh, the the late summer of. Uh, this year 
of this year. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been. Or uh, yeah, you um, must you you probably are listening this to at uh, 2019, but but yeah, the, I'm talking about the the late summer of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And I I won that tournament with Git Rug as well. Um so I think busted I, ban I Git Rug. I don't remember <laughs> I don't remember who won the uh who won the second tournament that was held by the by the subreddit. Um but at least at least two of the three online tournaments were uh, were won by a Gitrog deck, which is a which is pretty incredible considering the diversity of decks in the format. Um, yeah. that two of them would be won by the same deck. Um, okay, and yeah, I, thought, uh, I, I guess that was pretty before cool. we like wrap it up, um, so we're we're kind of up to we we just we just caught everyone up to date on what what Frog is kind of looking like now, where um you know we we've cut back on some slot well, on some uh, slots, um, improved efficiency, and we're our WinCon package. At least in some versions, is like on looping Ulamog, but I guess now with Assassin's Trophy, you can just loop Assassin's Trophy. So Ulamog loops well, are necessary. You give people a lot of basics with Assassin's Trophy. I still, I still prefer to loop Ulamog when I have the chance. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely cleanest. I think, um, but yeah, so so it, it, the more win conless version, as it was dubbed on the server, um, mm-hmm. where you would you wouldn't uh, use the traditional win cons of looping a Wrath's Edge or a Sun Scorched Desert. Instead, you you know destroy everyone's permanence with Ulamog. Uh, loop hand attack, noxious revival to fate seal, and 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 all these kinds of things, and then eventually kill them with combat through pumping your discard outlets. Um, so that's that's kind of where Frog is now. Um, let's let's briefly speculate on the future of Frog and, and kind of what everyone's experimenting with, because um, I've mentioned Gitrog Blitz or the the double Titan Gitrog list uh, a few times on in previous podcasts. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of what I'm testing with right now. And it's, uh, it's something. Yeah, I definitely find that list interesting. Um, I'm always a fan of upping, upping tutor density, um, and being able to run things like, um, Tainted Pact, uh, and, and stuff like that, that Exiles is, uh, is pretty strong. Um, you had tested with Tainted Pacts before... With single titan, yeah. Right? With single titan, I tested tainted pact, and it was it was a little underwhelming. I found myself having to stop more often than I wanted to to prevent myself from you know removing pieces that I needed to be able to combo off. Mm. Um, and I think that at it, doing double titan just makes that a little bit less likely. It gives you it gives you more redundancy um, uh, and more protection from from sort of hamstringing yourself with your with your tutors um but you know instant speed demonic tutor is uh pretty busted so finding a way to make that work even if it uh even if it raises your average cmc by a little bit um i I think it may be worth it and that 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 direction may be worth exploring Uh, one thing especially for git rug players like me that are uh sort of crazy about going going all out every uh every turn try to win every time every time you can one thing I, I one uh, benefit of double titan that I hadn't realized until uh, just the other day was that it actually is beneficial in the cleanup step uh, combo in that it, it acts so typically we've got guy's blessing in the deck in like standard get rug versions to uh, act as single target grave hate protection um, so that you just respond to the grave hate by continuing your dredge and then hitting your blessing resolving the shuffle and then protecting your titan but in uh, t- in that version in the cleanup step combo. Uh, your your titan is extremely vulnerable, right? Because the shuffle is yeah. going to go on the stack, and you can't actually continue your dredge because you're using uh, the cleanup step as your outlet. Um, so 
what I actually found is is with, with Double Titan, it really doesn't matter because they exile your Titan and then you keep going because you've got your yeah, second Titan. You've got your other one. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, uh, typically people are like, oh, you might, people might think, oh, you've got to force them to play it out because what if you get two Titans at the same time? Um, you know, if you're if they're using, like, Fairy Macabre or, like, a Tormod script or something, that could be bad. Um, I guess, actually... Tormod script is bad anyway because they'll just nuke all, all your pieces. Um, but yeah, so something like Fairy Macabre could be bad. Um, but you can keep a Titan in hand. If you ever draw a Titan, you can just keep it in hand to keep it safe. Um, and yeah. so the, the odds of that are like almost zero of happening. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Blitz, Blitz yeah, is definitely interesting. Uh, still lots of testing, very experimental. So try yeah. these at your own risk. <laughs> Yeah, those uh, those ad nozzles into Titan Titan um, certainly uh, yeah. <laughs> certainly may make you reconsider. Yeah, uh, yeah. The by chances con- are low. So. Yeah, by contrast, I personally um, it, it's gonna be far far ahead for when uh, before I start experimenting with some something like t- double Titan just because uh, uh, the the demonic tutors or the instant speed uh, demonic tutor-esque function of something like tainted pact becomes uh, in my conservative play style uh, a little bigger impulse if you will <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, because i just uh, i'm too scared i'm a scaredy cat when it comes to um, uh, just conserving uh, cards and not being blown out by something getting exiled yep. And uh, yeah, basically, I'm I'm in the tail uh, the tail end of these two Noobzors uh, and Kibitsen. Uh, so I'm just uh, only now have I started to experiment with the Winconless loops, and even then, I have not really played with Ulamog. I still play with Beast Within, just because I I love the card, and uh, it has saved me enough times for me to to to. Um, keep it in my list but essentially the the same loops and the same techniques that these two have uh, been experimenting with for the last uh, at least six months now or five months uh, i've started dipping my toes into those so um yeah i'm a little little in the the late train kind of thing uh right now but still it's, it's anything very else you, you want to you would experiment with uh, either of you two Anything else you're looking at? Um, I haven't. I haven't been experimenting with anything new lately. I haven't seen anything that uh, that caught my interest. Um, I mean, some some of the cards that uh, we'll talk about later in the uh, in the single card discussion uh, might come up. But um, okay, I, I'm always excited to see new new cards released because um, you never know when there might be something exciting in there i mean assassin's trophy was definitely a good uh, good pickup for the deck kind so of nice kind of disappointing though with the uh, commander 2018 with you know there was supposed to be a land matter deck and i was so ready to get a new <laughs> yeah. get rock card <laughs> no uh, I, I knew ahead of time there wasn't going to be anything in that for us uh, <laughs> glad. It's, it's casual casual lands matter which yeah. means lands matter as long as you're casting six drops <laughs> um okay cool i mean un- underrealm lich also is super cool I just wish it weren't a five drop. Yeah, same with the like, Doom Whisperer. Like oh, yeah, so close, yeah. so Another close. Awesome card. Yeah, Underrealm Lich has actually if it costs uh, two mana. 
<laughs> It'd be busted at two. I'd play that at like three. Oh no! If it if it cost two mana and it was a zero one with not flying, yeah, I'd play, pay that. Two life. I'd play that. I'd play that. I'd play that. I'd play it. It would be I'd super good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Underrealm okay. Witch has seen play in a couple of a uh, uh, couple of brews that I've seen in the Gitrock mm. Discord. I think Jim Wolfie at least oh, the, has uh, experimented it's a with card. Yeah, has expe- but experimented for... with uh, the Rasaketh package. And, oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also uh, put uh, he also put in Underrealm Lich as uh, an extra reanimator target, and he has been uh, just praising the card as much as he has uh, uh, could. Uh, so that's that's actually something that I've considered uh, exploring more is the is the reanimator side of, of get rug and yeah. we're already kind of grave, graveyard dependent so um the you know some of the downsides of being weak to to grave hate uh, of reanimation is uh is less of a big deal because we're already weak to it um and uh, i feel like there's there's definitely potential there um i just haven't haven't found anything that was worth um worth playing around with and you know maybe Razaketh is the answer i feel uh, like with Razaketh though missing out on things like relic order like you're, you're you need to be yeah. late enough in the game that like you you lose your early wins that Razaketh can sometimes allow you to do right like you're just mm-hmm. turn one dork turn two you know reanimate in tune reanimate like win because you yeah. need if you're, you're you're dependent on having a, a supply of lands um in order to get your like life to be uh mm-hmm. really good so that you can find all your fast mana to get get rock into play and, and whatnot and i wonder yeah. if that's if it's just too slow yeah just yeah. going off with extra steps yeah yeah <laughs> and also just another another fatty in the deck <laughs> i mean i yeah. guess he wouldn't run that in blitz but um so double titan and rise again right, and Adnos, here yeah. we go <laughs> <laughs> um Okay. Almost, almost as good as Eureka at nauseum. Let's not get into that though. <laughs> okay, I think uh, that, that wraps up our history section. Just a couple of things that were mentioned. Uh, the tournament that Kibitzen won was May twentieth, and mm. the last tournament went to Astral Codex playing as a cast. Just oh, for yeah. posterity's okay. sake. Okay. Nice. So now we are going to move into our next section, which is the single card and card category discussions. Um, so the first thing we're going to be looking at uh, is additional tutors, which ones maybe are considered, which ones aren't, uh, and why. So uh, let's start this off with Mythos. Okay, yeah, so some of the things like I, some of the cards I ended up cutting because I didn't like uh, were uh, Sylvan Scrying, Realms Uncharted, which were you know cards that were you know, tutors. Um, and I haven't really missed them, honestly. Uh, Realms Uncharted had Sylvan Scrying. I, I, I much prefer Grim Tutor now, uh, to Sylvan Scrying. And also the, we, we, when I cut Sylvan Scrying, that's when we started moving towards, uh, Sumner's Pact. And, um, uh, that was also the time of Survival of the Fittest, I think. So we weren't. We we were going up on tutor density and and Sylvan Scrying just kind of was a bit too narrow. Um, we and then uh, so Sylvan Scrying Realms Uncharted Realms Uncharted had the added benefit of sometimes getting you up to enough cards in hand, 
but uh, in order to make those piles work, you needed to have run some suboptimal lands that I wasn't a fan of. So um, I ended up cutting those from my list. Um, so those those I think are falling somewhat out of favor. They're not necessarily bad. Um, well, but yeah, they're by no means bad. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the stuff we talk about is you know how how do we you know scrape a tiny bit more optimization out of those last like two or three cards in this hundred card deck and you know many of these cards that we've been cutting to do those optimizations are incredibly powerful really good cards for get rug right and in a budget list you you run sylvan scrying and you run realms uncharted with in like in in a in a heartbeat yeah right? you're they're, happy they're about it man. those powerful. cards are really they good get, <laughs> they get half of your win con uh at the very least um or, or other utility lands to protect you from counters. Like we're not saying these cards are bad. It's just that they're you know they're right on the on that cusp of um, of being uh, just edged out by other cards that we want to make space for. Yeah, basically the uh, all of the cards we are gonna discuss here are very very uh, viable in Gitrog already, uh, and we're mm. in the nitty gritty of the fine tuning the deck that we're discussing here so uh, if you have uh, for example budget constraints or just uh, playstyle preferences that I have plenty mm-hmm. of for example I still love Sylvan Scrying, Scrying and I'm probably never gonna cut it, cut it myself uh, um, please run those cards and see uh, see to it that you play with the cards that you like because there's plenty of uh, customizab- uh, customizability for uh, and, and we always need more people testing cards and and for sure playing new stuff and s- seeing how it does. That always helps too. Yeah. So Leptus, I'm gonna let's 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 get let's get make this podcast interesting. Okay. Let's let's. Oh, I'm gonna fight you on Sylvan Scrying. Okay. <laughs> so I think I think Sylvan Scrying should be uh, Grim Tutor. I think it's Grim Tutor is just so much more it has so much more utility. Um, it's obviously some scrying plus you can also find your other combo pieces or an answer to remove, you know, some stacks piece, especially in a more conservative play still. I think Grim Tutor, the, the utility afforded by Grim Tutor, it just makes it far superior to some scrying. Yeah. Um, uh, paying three mana for a tutor makes me feel like a casual. <laughs> all the casuals playing grim tutor you know yeah, yeah. The, the reason why i'm uh, not playing grim tutor tutor myself is just because i run Praetor's grasp which is basically uh a better grim tutor for our oh, okay wow shots fired there uh, i think hey, do i need yeah. to drop a beat for this discussion yeah. <laughs> yeah i think the fact that Praetor's grasp can't find you dacmore can't tutor dacmore to hand it Praetor's grasp is is diabolic tutor tier except like worse worse than diabolic tutor because if you're trying to tutor dakmore to hand well like no i guess you get you get the entomb so you can send dakmore to the bin so then it's diabolic tutor but um if you're trying to find a discard outlet like oh oh god that's that's just not good not good trying Um, to do that yeah basically the Uh, reason you find other people's uh chains of mephistopheles or uh, or you just take people's Adnaz and then draw all of the things you need. The Adnaz is definitely where you'd you'd like to be, but I think having to, to pre-describe for Adnaz to then find your combo piece instead of just finding your missing combo piece is kind of weak. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a lot. 
and three mana for a tutor is a lot, right? These <sighs> these turns come down to like just the the tiniest margins of mana, um, and especially the fact that Grim Tutor is double black that that really sells, um, or, or yeah, changes my opinion of it. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely rough. That, that's basically the main reason why I don't run both. Uh, Grim Tutor and Predator's Grasp. It's it's just uh, my personal preference to play Predator's Grasp. Uh, one number one as a sorcery speed uh, extra way to go up, but also as a I just like the flexibility and using my opponent's cards uh, as a way to uh, leverage the way to win the game or just leverage the way to get an advantage. For example, in a cockatrice game I played, uh, I think yesterday. Uh, my opponent was playing Drug Monster, uh, uh, grasped a food chain out of Tazri, played it, oh. and uh, uh, he actually got to cast two discard outlets and two Gitrogs, and then went off through several pieces of interaction, which was very hilarious, but also, uh, of course, not the most optimal way to go about it, but it was pretty hilarious. Uh, uh, my point, yeah, uh, summarizing my point uh, on why I run, uh, I don't run Grim Tutor is that I just want to have uh, a single sorcery speed three plus CMC tutor in the deck. I don't want to run both of those, and it's just personal preference due to the way I like to run Brightest Grasp. Yeah, I know, uh, Keep. You were thinking of Jira's orders at one point, right? Is that was that like I, just budget I or actually... is that? No, I actually like that card a lot. Um, I feel like it has. I mean, I mean, it's similar to um, what do you call it? The enchantment survival, survival, survival of the fittest. Yeah. It's very similar to that. Um, you can't split the cost over several turns, but it doesn't require you to have a starting creature to to make it work. Mm. Um, and I I think it's pretty equivalent um, in terms of of power. Um, I the the thing is. In, in testing with other decks, what I've found is that it's it can be really potent to have one card wins, right? And that that card by itself gets you all the stuff you need to win. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really powerful, especially um, in that it can help you recover games when you've lost everything, um, right? Like somehow, uh, somehow you've you've lost several. Um, Several of your discard outlets, or uh, Dakmoy's gotten shuffled back in, or something like you had to you had to shuffle it to save it, yeah. um, something like that. Where a single card can can go get you everything that you need back to to be ready to win again, um, and the fact that it can get it can get you your utility creatures as well, um, and and you know j- even just putting uh, dredgers into the yard um, it can can be useful. Like I, it's not. I don't know. It's it has a lot of potential. I think, and I haven't I haven't done much testing with it yet, but it feels it feels really strong. Yeah, I can see the see the perspective where you go, uh, where you're going with uh, Jarad's orders. I've seen people, at least, who are more on the reanimator side of things that are not playing green, just going for uh, for final parting. As a... yeah, final parting is pretty similar. I think it's got potential too, but I mean the five five mana is just so much. Yeah, yeah but... we don't we don't need the five mana, right? 
we we don't we don't need the we don't need the the uh, ability to tutor the non um creatures because we're just going to find the our discord so is nice and right? yeah the five mana being able to get you things like um like autumn's veil um or other stuff like that even even like cavern of souls or something like that if you need like a land drop and uh and something to to count it right like there are situations where you'd much rather have the ability to get non-creatures but i think the beauty um, of uh but the the cost is pretty it's pretty steep yeah the beauty of gerard's orders is that it's it's like a surprise win out of nowhere right you mm-hmm. find your discard outlet and then you and your golgari grave troll and you're just off to the races whereas yeah. i think final parting is definitely something where it makes it harder to achieve that and you're definitely trying to set up over multiple turns which gives your opponents times time to uh find answers or you know yeah. win on win themselves yeah, I really like that with Jared's orders, it's, you know, it's two, two black, black, green, just win the game, right? Yeah. It gets you the Putrid Imp, and you can play that if you've already got Get Rug out, assuming. Um, or you do it, yeah, you could could do it the turn before um, Get Rug, but that would be pretty uh, pretty telegraphing. Now, I do yeah, I do think to, I do think survival is still markedly markedly better than, than Gerard's orders. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a much better card, um, but it's in that, it's that, same sort of effect of like exactly, a single yeah. single card that gets you all the stuff you need um or if you've already got the stuff you need can get you protection creatures or utility creatures or even mana creatures right you know you can go grab a um an elvish spirit guide if you need that extra green um to get there that turn um, yeah that's true and that makes it that makes it effectively a um a cheaper tutor to uh, for the the grave troll yeah um, kind of so like a got, i mean it's then. still it, yeah, it's still not as as good as the other um, effects of that type, right? Because you, it, it does cost four mana. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that it has that flexibility is kind of nice. Um, what have you thought about Sylvan Tutor? And, and Leptus, I guess, what do you think about Sylvan Tutor? Um, I, 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 it seems really slow to me. But, you know, we draw a lot of cards. Um, personally, so I have no It certainly has potential. I have no problems with the card, personally. The the fact that Ghidra can draw a card from the top of the deck so easily at sorcery speed because you you just play a fetch land and you draw the card you tutored for with Sylvan Tutor, it can basically be a one mana tutor into hand incidentally just because you have so many ways to draw cards, and I like the card. Uh, I just haven't run it personally. I could easily run it in my deck. I just haven't gotten uh, to the point of uh, aggressively tutoring for Golgari tra- Grave Troll in uh, all of my games, but I'm in the process of adding uh, Summoner's Pact for just that purpose. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I might add Sylvan Tutor in the future myself. Yeah, so one, one thing I found with Sylvan Tutor is that there are times when I just kind of want to find um, like a value engine, like a Bob. Like if, mm-hmm. I, if I've got if, as my only like turn one tutor, like I might just find a Bob if, I'm, if I think yeah. it's going to be a grindier game. Or sometimes, you know, um, you can find a Ramanath Excavator or that that sort of ability to uh, to grind and have versatility there is, I think, kind of what makes it playable. If it was just if it was just either Tutor Grave Troll or Discard Outlet, I don't know if it would be good enough as as is. I think it the one, needs that little one mana extra. cost is uh, is pretty good. Like the there are so many turns where you get get rug down and you've got two mana up, um, and if you can you know Sylvan 
for for putrid imp crack a crack a fetch grab the grab the putrid imp and uh and and win like yeah. the, those i i find that i have so many turns where i i'm just just over the mana for kitrog so i can drop kitrog and you know cast a two drop or or cast a two one drops um and i have i have a couple draws i can get so i'm hoping i usually hope to to draw into something that i can do with that mana um some sort of tutor or something um and i feel like sylvan is really good in that sort of situation um so i i probably will um test with it soon um it's another one it's one that's been on my list of things to play with yeah that makes sense i've, I've been playing with it for a bit and it's it, it's definitely served its purpose a few times but it, I've, I've also been kind of uh underwhelmed by it by in, in other in other circumstances mm-hmm. you know top deck top deck tutoring a bob if that's your best play is not always where you want to be um the, the, the other one that i kind of like um and and at least in the the testing i've done with it has always been good um but i know a lot of other people in the in the community are, are quite against it is the um traverse the Olvenwald. um i've found that I never really had any trouble turning it on, um, and then it was just a one mana to hand tutor um, for for creatures, um, which always seemed to get there. Uh, yeah, from, I, I for took me, it out a while I back. Never get, I never, I never get the delirium. Yeah, it's so yeah, hard. Maybe, I find it to be hard. Maybe it's just because I'm I'm greeting so hard with my uh, discarding all my stuff and and plucking everything out that I that I end up with half of my deck in my graveyard. You just um, you just why, discard your hand to your discard outlets just to turn just to turn I mean I guess it works. Yeah. If that's what you yeah, to do. I, yeah, that's I have one to say, I have done that before. Um, yeah, I haven't played and, uh, with I haven't played with Travers myself, but I'm gonna quote Razliox here, who has played with Travers somewhat and uh uh, this is not a direct quote, but he has said several times that uh, uh, it's the worst, one of the worst uh, viable uh, land slash creature tutors that you can run in the deck due to its uh, conditional nature. But it's still one of the viable ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, I see and that. yeah, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's something that you should definitely run in your budget builds if you can't uh, oh, afford yeah, definitely some really uh, some if in some of the uh, more other more expensive uh, cards. So often the budget lists don't have as many artifacts, um, and so they have more trouble turning it on. Uh, yeah, and also like you might not be on all the all the fetches, or yeah, or it might yeah, come on. Yeah. You might need to get your get rock land triggers in order to have that turn yeah. on. So like it'd be like a later so that, game tutor, but that can totally work, right? I think I would run that before I would run Grim Tutor personally, um, uh, but there's some other ones I want to test before I get down to that one. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe you should. You got? Have you tested with Grim Tutor? I have. Okay, because I've been in my testing. I've liked it. Paying three mana for a tutor is just bad, man. It's not, it's not worth. It doesn't it. feel too bad. <laughs> it doesn't feel too bad. I, this is this is where you're getting all this extra prefer- mana from. Preference. But when I when I cast a five drop and then have to tutor to cast a one or two drop, dude. Sometimes we just have it three. on turn two. We just we have like no good turn two play if we don't have like frog, and you've just got yeah. But if you tutor on turn two, then your opponents are like, hold on, 
we need to not let this get rug player do anything for the rest of the game because he has his win. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, but I mean, it's like, are you, are you, do you, do you hold your imp seals? Do, um, like I, I like I'll launch a turn one imp seal for like a seal, no. crypt or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's but very imp seals different. Everybody yeah, expects very... you to imp seal turn one. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to deal with the expectations. Even Sun Tzu in mm-hmm. the Art of War said that uh, something along the lines of. Uh, uh, abuse uh, your opponent's expectations and uh, mm-hmm. uh, diffuse those expectations at the moment where you're going to strike. So uh, turn one seal is such a such a uh, um, usual play for many decks because they want their mana crypt or whatever. And even if you're gonna get a combo piece with that uh, imp seal, you usually just want to fire that off turn one. Uh, but yeah. when you have a frog on field and you've already set up these. Uh, uh, pathways to victory that imp seal is gonna scream either deck more or a discard outlet at which point you yeah. wanna probably hold on to that imp seal but That's i think uh, uh we might wanna move on because there's several other sections yeah. to still we might discuss. have to we might have to hammer through these yeah. yeah yeah and then the last thing we were we were at in this section was like the tainted pack plunge into darkness um yeah. which is just you know from the blitz stuff and we've already yeah, discussed that much Pretty much, you just have to be crazy to run those, yeah. um, or, uh, or or be on that double titan list, and and even then, you, you pretty much just have to be crazy to be running that list. Exactly. So, <laughs> good luck to all you uh, insane frogs out there. Um, it's a lot of fun. I I tested with that list. I like it a lot. Um, I I mean, I tested with Tainted Pact in the regular list, and uh, it's crazy. It gets there, but uh, sometimes you uh, Sometimes you hoist yourself by your own petard. Yeah, I had one, just a quick thing on Plunge. I had, uh, in Double Titan, quick story, I, I was I cast Plunge into Darkness for 10. So I was, I was still kind of playing around, testing with, with what the right amount to Plunge for is, um, mm-hmm. how aggressive to be. But I plunged for 10, picked up an Ad Nauseam off the Plunge, cast Ad Nauseam, uh, hit Ulamog off the second card, and then I still won that turn. So yeah. Gitrog is an insane deck. That's <laughs> a lot of reach. You have a lot of luck. Yeah. I, there was there was a game where I adnosed from six, and if if the the stupid Yisan player hadn't happened to have the only piece of interaction in that in that deck that got me the the uh, what do you call it beast within, okay. then I would have won off of the adnos for six. <laughs> adnos adnos at six life. Oh man! Yeah, yeah if you can take that. anything out of these uh, stories, it's just that Ditrog is an is an insane deck. You can yeah. get it. Never out of game. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> okay, uh, so next session, I guess, is additional protection. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess Efeno asks, how good has hand disruption been for you? Is it a standard include in every build now? Um, no, I guess it's not standard because Leptus didn't run it. I, I think it should be standard. I, I think, think it, so as well. It's, ab- it's absolutely... Um, it's it's top top tier cards for the list um not only are you able to be proactive about trying to strip counter spells from people who you think are going to counter you on turns when you're trying to go off um but it also gives you a little bit better game against the decks that are or that aren't necessarily faster because very few decks are faster than than get rug i mean but Take the the Hulk or, or out of the but Flash Hulk player's hand. Being able to take the Hulk yeah. or the Flash um, out of the the Flash Hulk player's hand, or or you know similar decks to that that have um, really early um, cards that will 
that will just win them the game. Um, so you can you can be proactive about that because as as a green black deck, we don't have a ton of interaction that stops um, a, lo- a lot of the combos that people do. Right? You know, if if people are going for lab man combos, we've got uh, we've got a handful of removal spells that that kill their lab man. But if they're doing if they're doing Hulk stuff, if they're doing some of that other some of those other combos, we we really just don't have a ton of interaction for that stuff. Um, and so, so it's the, th- have, the thought season duress that are standard, staff. I think. That's that's yeah. You'll you'll yeah. agree to that, right? So yeah. Inquisition is like the third piece that, for me, has come in and out of the deck a lot. Yeah, and and I think that that um, can totally be a medical. Um, if if Inquisition is good against the decks that you play against, if you need to be stripping the Flash player's hand um, at the beginning of every game, run another hand attack. Um, run the Inquisition. Um, because it, but it is good. And, you know, most of the stuff in CDH is is sub three. Um, so you're, uh, it, I mean, if your opponent kept a hand that doesn't have something it hits, then then I'm concerned for yeah. the opponent and their deck building <laughs> yeah. skills. Um, when it comes to when it comes to Inquisition, and even if you don't hit uh, something, usually the information that you get out of is is uh, very uh, useful for you. For example, I've played a, a lot with uh, Cabal Therapy in my other uh, blacklists, mm-hmm. and uh, while those have more synergy for the Cabal Therapy, as in you want to get something like a Leonin Relic Warder into your graveyard, it's still the information that you get by looking at somebody's hand and you not getting something is super useful, and it also is a very good, uh, let's say, in quote, political play. In that you mm-hmm. you can uh, divert attention away from you by mm-hmm. uh, letting everybody else see what a certain opponent that might be threatening to win has in their hand. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah, yeah I, for... they're incredible political manipulation tools. Um, yeah, and I... and the information, as you said, is just so so useful. Even just knowing what your opponent has in their hand can tell you so much about what their lines are going to be for the next couple turns how they're planning to interact with you how well they'll be able to interact with your opponents if they try to go off like that that stuff is so so useful if you find out that your opponent has one counter then you can bait until your opponent your other opponent tries to go off and they counter it and then you can go off right then right like you can it it helps you so much with timing it helps you so much with uh, planning your turns out and not getting uh blown out by by random stuff that your opponents happen to have yeah it has a unfortunately lot of, we uh, don't have too much modes. other additional protection besides hand attack mm-hmm. i mean it has left pro- us... proactive uh, let's uh yeah when it comes to proactive protection against fast yeah. uh potentially faster decks uh the fact that i'm the most conservative player here uh might actually comes as a surprise that I'm the one who doesn't play these because I should be the one who plays these uh, hand attacks. And I've played with them, I've tested them, and uh, I've just been able to abuse my uh, attention politics so well that I've been able to uh, uh, divert attention away from me or just uh, uh, get the control players or the blue players into each other's throats that I can be the the parasitic vegetable of a deck in the pod yeah i was actually going to ask that like so how do you deal with you know flash players um and the fact that you, you can't be 
super conservative about them because they can just win out of nowhere just like we can. Um, I mean, it's it's different once you've got uh, once you've got Git Rug in play and you can like you know flash in a a crown and win in response to their stuff. Um, but when but that requires ahead, setting up, yeah, yeah, that requires um, setup. Um, and if you're not hyper aggressive about that setup, um, you know those early turns. There's a lot of decks that can just win. Um, if if Gitrug is going slow, they just win, and we don't have a whole lot of ways to interact with them. Yeah, it's uh, basically the reason why I don't uh, run those and uh, kind of have to sometimes fall to those flash halt decks is because uh, uh, I don't run the uh, hand attack and I don't run into Hulk that much in my local metagame where I primarily oh, have okay. played Gitrog for these past two years. Um, mm. There has been at least a couple games where there was a Flash player, but then the player just disassembled the Breakfast Hulk deck and uh, started playing mm. something like a zombie. There's so much blue in, in our metagames, and Gitrog just thrives in that in that environment without any dis- disruption much whatsoever. But if yeah. there was a Flash Hulk player, or uh, just some turbo super. Well, there's a lot of turbo knows in our metagame, but, but if there if there was somebody who just went into turn consistent turn two, or even just turn two point five wins, um, yeah, I would probably just add in all of the uh, cheap hand attack. Duress, yeah, I can see in a meta that yeah, that has a lot of counter spells. Um, you, you can sort of count on the counterspell decks stopping other people's early wins. Um, and there I could see the value of totally just, you know, tutoring up the um, the life from the loam, which is essentially an uncounterable engine, right? You, every time yeah. you counter it, you can just dredge it back, um, and then just getting value off that, and eventually ending up with, uh, you know, Cavern of Souls and stuff like that, so that you can... Uh, it can cast your stuff uncounterable and, and go off. Just force uh, through the win. Yeah, yeah it's, it kind of comes down into my personality of just being patient. And uh, uh, yeah. the thing is that people who lose to Flash Hulk run out of patience uh, in the macro meta very quickly and start mm-hmm. playing the, the dispels and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. This uh, this problem fixed itself. I'm gonna just keep playing yeah. Life and Bloom, <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, and and just playing the the more quirky forms of interaction that are uh, like yep. removal spells. Speaking of like interaction, that. that's our next category. Um, and in here we've got things listed like Beast Within, Natural State, Dismember, Dark Blast, and Emerald Charm. So one of these obviously notably like we're missing effort. we're missing all the like the pieces that are standard like abrupt decay assassin trophy that's never coming out of the deck nature nature's claim is never coming out um, but these are these are things that that you know do come in and out of the deck depending um, yeah anyone have any in- interesting to say say about these we've got some we've got some spicy meatballs in here so <laughs> yeah I mean I just members pretty strong it gets rid of lots of stuff I was running it until assassin's trophy came out. Um, and when that came out, I just swapped those. Um, Same, yeah. I I feel like we have a good amount of stuff that deals with creatures, and I don't. I I mean, I I felt a little light on creature removal before Assassin's Trophy, which is why I put Dismember in. Um, but now, you know, I I feel like we're at a good place there, so I don't really feel a need for more. Um, 
more removal of that sort. Uh, Beast Within is a great, great removal piece, but I just can't stand paying three mana to remove stuff. Same. Um, I may have a, I may that. have a personal stigma against the three mana cost cards. Um, I have cut almost all of them from my list. You've cut Ramonap, um, which was bold. That was a bold one. Yeah, I I just don't play that game. I don't. I'm not. I'm not grinding. I I know I can win. I can just get back to a win without having to play Ramonap. Yeah, games. I'm off Ramonap in Blitz. Um, and I I'm, I haven't missed it too much. Uh, I think yeah. there's been one time where I kind of wished I I could tutor for it. Even then, yeah. though, I'm not on in Blitz. I don't. This is kind of actually blows my mind about your list, Leptis. Is you're, you're you're very conservative. You're trying to get advantage off Loam, and you run Ramonap, um, and you're only on two f- two of each basic. That seems kind yeah, of that, crazy. That seems that seems rough. Uh, let's say two of each basic. Uh, as to what your point was here. I mean, I I run out of fetchables with two of each basic sometimes. Oh even yeah, Ramonap. yeah. We're we're. We're on like three. I'm in three in my like standard non double titan list. Yeah, that's an absurd amount of basics. <laughs> three of each basic is insane. Three of each basic. Oh my gosh, so many basics. You're on three of each basic. What are you even gonna do with those? Yeah, you're right. I did. I did go back to that after I cut the tannin pact. <laughs> <laughs> but you kept. You kept in your list. You kept two forests and a single snow covered forest. Yep. <laughs> Just for the memes, I guess. I, I'm. I'm ready to go back. I'm yeah. ready to go back to to one of each. At any time, yeah, yeah. yeah you don't find you to... run out of, of fetchables, Lepis? Uh It has come up, I think, a couple of times, but not too many times. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's not something like increasing the amount of basics is not something that I have really thought about. This could be something that I could actually just adjust in in my future iterations of the list, but so far, uh, uh, the greatest question when it comes to running two swamps or two basic swamps is the fact that do I run out of swamps to sack for a lake of the dead and that's yeah. that has been the primary uh, argument as to why I should increase the amount of swamps in my list but uh, yeah I've I usually just aggressively get all the swamps in the field as much uh, as quickly as I can yeah and, uh, just okay. proactively uh, in case I run uh, lake of the dead but, but yeah the basic counts of it. Maybe there isn't too much more to say about uh, interaction. Wait, wait, wait. I, I do think we should talk about Dark Blast, but I... I Dark Blast comes up a lot. Personally, yeah. I want to personally plug um, Emerald Charm um, oh as gosh. one of the weird tech cards that nobody else likes, but I'm I'm in love with. Um, I, you know, a lot of people run Natural State as another way to deal with um, sort of the stacks that, that people drop and, and try to curse try to ruin our day with peace, yeah yeah and and what i've found is that the most oppressive um stacks that we care about is uh enchantment based right it's rest in peace it's uh ley line it's humility it's stuff like that um and so i really liked finding a piece that hit that side of the stacks because um, I feel like a lot of the artifact stacks, um, th- there is a, there is some, but mostly it's Curse Totem, um, and we can get around that with our discard outlets. That's true. Um, we, right, we've got we've got End Step Sculpt to get around that, or, or we've chains. got Chains of Mephistopheles, or if you're really brave, Chain of Smog. 
<laughs> yeah. But uh, but we, we have ways around most of the artifact stacks that people run. Um, and so that I haven't found that artifact stacks is a place where I'm like, oh man, I wish I had another way to, to remove that. But enchantments, um, we only have a few ways that we can deal with enchantments. Um, right. And so I wanted another piece that dealt with that. But, you know, there are some games where nobody has the stacks. There's some games that, that everybody's just trying to do their win um, and you don't you don't need to deal with any stacks. Um, and I, th I think Emerald Charm really shines because it gives you the ability to utilize it as a ramp piece instead of um, as, a, as a stacks removal piece um, in situations where you don't need to remove any stacks. Um, it also deals with uh, a couple of wincon things that people do. I mean, I know nobody's playing uh, Kiki-Jiki uh, nonsense anymore with the uh, blood pot i guess does sometimes yeah but they don't uh, do do most of those lists even run the uh, enchantment form i don't know maybe they do but it hits that um it also hits food chain um it hits other other random stuff like um uh, what do you call it like uh like fish and ristic study and other oh, that's annoying, true, yeah. annoying pieces like that it hits um I know. Uh, I know. People have been trying to jam that. Um, uh, what's the suppression field? Um, other other random little enchantments that like can can really uh, really make our our make us have a bad time. Um, yeah. And on top of that, every now and then you can get people swinging in with their um, cast with their even mind sensors, mind sensors, or, yeah, or or, um into your Gitrog or or with mind sensor even into your dorks nobody sees that coming if and, and we're definitely a there. big target for attacks exactly. unless Everybody like we're probably to top us. priority unless there's a shimmerzer at the table mm -hmm. that's the only other and, deck that I think takes priority over us yeah and so there's there people are always attacking us and they never expect us to be able to block flyers um and so emerald charm can randomly be um creature uh removal as well in that sense um, yeah, and you you know you can even you can even do it when other people are being attacked because you can offer them the uh, offer them the block to to kill stacks pieces that they want to get rid of as well. I mean, pretty much everybody who doesn't have an even mind sensor wants the even mind sensor dead. Um, so you can <laughs> yeah. you can usually get some uh, help taking that thing down. Um, yeah. So, I'll, so I'll... I I think it's an all around really powerful card, and I'm I've been very happy with it ever since I added it to the list. And I recommend everybody at the very least try it out, see what you think of it. Um, I'll test with it. I'll test with but it. But sure, I'll I, I, <laughs> I think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. Um, I think the first people who t tried it were in the Selvala deck. Um, they were they were trying that as like a an untapper or, or removal spell. But the the stuff that they need to remove it it just doesn't match the profile of Emerald Charm very well. So then it was just a mediocre untapper. Um, and so I think a lot of people formed a, a bad opinion of it there. Um, and there just really isn't any other deck that I think it's good in. I'll um, give my quick counter-argument to Emerald Charm. I will test with it, but uh, I'll mm -hmm. give my, my quick counter-argument so we can talk about Dark Blast and then move on. Um, one, I think that uh, the fact that Natural State hits artifacts, I mean, obviously we can play around Curse Totem, but uh, Isochron Scepter, Dramatic Reversal is a very popular win con, and the ability to remove that is huge. Um, same, like if you've got a Shimmer Zer, being able to answer uh, Shimmer Mur or uh, stuff like that is, is, is pretty big. Um, uh, then also be able to remove Null Rod uh, because we actually, sometimes we do need, 
we, we are pretty deep in artifacts, especially with uh, we're something like nine artifacts now, and we're one of the the outside of outside of uh, blue decks that have no green. Um, we're super deep in artifacts, probably the deepest out of any other. Like I said, the non the the non green decks. Um, and then also the uh, untap ability is is kind of be sort of mediocre in the sense that um, think about soul ring or mana crypt is where you're trying like you, first of all you need to be able to in order to net mana and use it as ritual you need to have uh, something that taps for at least two which you know happens with soul ring mana crypt uh, lots of other effects but um, the thing is, is if you've got soul ring in play you're converting a green mana into two colorless mana which you yeah. can't really utilize super well because Gitrog requires three colorless mana, right? So if you're just trying to use it to accelerate into Gitrog, you're kind of wasting a mana there. Um, yeah, but it's same usually with Gitrog plus a ritual. I mean, Gitrog plus a tutor, which usually costs one, or or you know some other some other thing. Yeah. It, you usually can use it. Um, I haven't I haven't ever been like, oh man, I have too much colorless mana. I wish I could not have it. But the fact that it costs a green uh, is is a downside the fact that you're trading away a, a colored for probably colorless mana um, yeah. can't hurt you okay cool but i, so, I just like the the upside oh. of the the potential ritual if you don't need um uh, the removal because some some games you just don't need any removal you just want to go faster yeah I'll, I'll test with it for sure uh yep. i'm still i'm still skeptical but yeah so uh let's talk about dark blast which uh is every time it gets mentioned on the on the discord uh you know people get up in arms everyone picks sides <laughs> it's really contentious some people absolutely hate it it's like why would i ever play dark blast some people are in love with it like how could you even run this deck without dark blast um so to give i'll give a quick a quick um summary of like the importance of dark blast so if there is a, if you are seeing spirit of the labyrinth in your meta at all you need to run dark blast like just no question um that's a stacks piece that it, like dark blast is good enough that um you can see you can see value and you just don't want to auto lose the spirit of the labyrinth because spirit of the labyrinth uh, you can replace your draws with dredges which is fine but the moment you go to convert it into a draw you get stonewalled and then shuts off your dredges as well so you need to have the dark blast in there so you can dredge the dark blast kill spirit of the labyrinth and keep going um but dark blast obviously also hits even mind sensor notion thief um i mean those are the big ones that it hits and you can recur it, obviously, to hit things that are too uh, too toughness. So kills your Timnas, kills your Labmen, um, whatnot. The draw. Um, but also the benefits are that it's just a card with dredge, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah anyone which, have which are functional copies of Dakmore, uh, assuming you have enough uh, draw triggers to feed it, as well as a discard mm-hmm. outlet. Yeah, if you've got something like Safekeeper in play, you're going to get to that. With Dark Blast. Yeah, like, are or, you so or, likely to? Or just getting a, a Golgari Grave Troll, which then in turn gets the Dark Exactly, Blast. yeah. Yeah, yeah. there is something to be said to having a higher density of dredgers. Um, I I mean, <laughs> I, I, I will admit it, I was crazy at one point. I had a lapse of sanity, and I cut um, uh, Life from the Loam uh, for a brief period of time uh, before I realized that it turns out dredgers are actually pretty good in this deck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, yes, I've, that's I've actually crazy. I've actually I went on a, I went on a cutting spree where I cut everything that wasn't actively getting me to a 
you know, turn to Gitrog plus a discard outlet win. Yeah, but Life from the Loam is pretty much just also a discard outlet because you get to your hand size so easily. As it turns out, that's what I, f- I figured out yeah. after having cut it for a while. I, I, I did miss it. <laughs> yeah, it's the dredge cards are probably the biggest uh, like package that I missed missed when I cut it myself as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I've played without Loam and without Dark Blast uh, for a time. It was a very short while, but then I realized that uh, even Dark Blast has uh, uh, through the test with withstood the test of time and uh, been reincluded after after I cut it. So it, it has been just mm-hmm. just universally uh, good, at least okay. from my experience. Yeah. But, um, but they, we can yeah, we can hammer through the next me. section real quick. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just sort of call them out, and then we'll get an opinion. And then if anyone wants to disagree, we can do that real quick. So this is meta tech and hate. Uh, we'll start with Graft Digger's Cage. Anyone have strong feelings for or against? Anti Yisen, anti Hulk, uh, anti Kess, sort of. Um, pretty good. Yeah. Depend only include based off your meta. Yeah. Yeah, there's a time will draw with that, so I highly recommend not putting it in your deck as someone who plays both cast and will draw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next up is Scoos. Um, Sca- scavenging news for those of you who spend less time on the internet. Anti Git Rock hate. <laughs> if you're worried about the mirror, it's pretty good. Yeah, but even then, I don't know. I I can't see including Scoos. I, I can't imagine a meta where I would put Scoos in. But yeah, it's, I, it's too mana intensive. You you want to? It, it costs so much mana, and it just doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, fair. It it sort of helps, but it like you you have to hold up mana, and it costs mana, and like it's not. I don't yeah, know. it's just so. E- I find it's incredibly easy for me to play around Scoos. The next card I think is probably better than Scoos in yeah. general. Yeah. Next card is extra beam. Um, I think this is hot tech. <laughs> uh. If you're trying to, so people have run Fairy Macabre in the past um, to play around Abolisher uh, stuff with Breakfast, and also we've run stuff like Scavenger Grounds. But um, with things like Shuffle, being able to play around Single Target Grave Hate, much like we can, um, mm-hmm. you just you, it doesn't those things don't get there anymore. Uh, you're really mm-hmm. only targeting Razakats because uh, other Get Rug decks are going to play around it. Whereas I think Extirpate is some. Um, dank tech where it can just kill other get rug players um can also hate out uh hulk decks depending on if they're on abolisher piles or not or if they can assemble their abolisher piles yeah if yeah. If, if you run against reanimation or just grave based decks a lot which uh there's plenty of in the current metagame uh, you could run extirpate as your one of your interaction spells Okay, on the on the similar grave hate seed, leyline of the void. I don't like leyline. <laughs> it's too dependent. Yeah, yeah, too I much. You just never. It's not likely you're going to get it. You're not going to mulligan for it, and it's not likely yeah. you're going to get it in your opener. So it's just going to be four mana. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's a card that I run as Hulk plus Razaketh hate in the past, but that was mainly because I didn't run Grafticker's Cage, which in turn wasn't included because I run uh, Necromancy uh, as well as... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, basically just Yeah, go, getting of off of the Necromancy lines lets you lets you open up Graft Cage as an option, which is just, you know, one mana versus four is such a huge difference that... 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough to tough to make the argument for uh, leyline quick unless quick you just you know yeah. have godly luck and and always have leyline in your opener yeah a quick oh, shout cool. out to fairy macabre as a way to also get uh around the uh, grand abolisher hulk piles which mm-hmm. we discussed yeah. earlier though the, though as as it was mentioned with the uh, shuffle hulk um if they play it right right they're still safe because um, yeah. they can they can dodge that with the memory's journey um, also i think i think new hulk breakfast hulk can actually play around macabre if i'm yeah yeah the shuffle hulk with... can at least or new yeah 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 that's right new breakfast wouldn't be able to unless they had a draw ability to like save their stuff but yeah yeah so shuffles the main the main one there mm-hmm. uh okay next up is pernicious deed um i think i'm the only one who's really done pernicious deed i know well besides like the original list which ran pernicious deed i think i'm the main um the main champion of this card. Uh, I ran it in when I was in a Staxier meta, and it did wonders. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really strong card to just always be able to threaten. Uh, so many decks are just you're they're dead to Pernicious Deed. Like so, so they'll be trying to force you to crack it all the time. Uh, it's the best card to like tutor as an out to multiple stacks pieces. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all around fine, but only run in the in the right meta. You know, and and instantly off. Of, I'll just jump off of this. Uh, I think Keeb, you're also off Deluge, right? Uh yeah, I think I cut it in my most recent list. Yeah, so this is this is more of like meta this is like a meta tech sort of. Like Deluge obviously is a super strong card, but we're being a green deck, we're super reliant on dorks, and unless you're trying to clear stuff like uh, insane Timna boards or Yisan or something like that, then you're better off just yeah. trying to win the game. If your opponents are all playing stupid, you know, staxy creature decks Deluge is amazing. If yeah. your opponents are all playing stupid stacksy uh, artifact enchantment decks, Pernicious Deed is the solution there. Um, it, they're they're both great role players, um, but in a standard list into the into the average meta right now, I think they're just not not worth it. But we have better options. Yeah, if and you run like, three drops, man. Yeah, Toxic Deluge is like <laughs> it's. I cannot uh, praise the card enough against creature mm-hmm. strats like Yusan and stuff. I've yeah, just I mean, just not is, just is just not having uh, deluge in your deck is is gonna is gonna be full on panic mode when you go up against those decks. But uh, if there's no uh, uh, like all in uh, creature or uh, just hate bear kinds of decks around, then definitely yeah. it's it's a flex slot in that case. Yeah, that's mostly just because you're going too slow, man. You gotta win faster. Yeah. <laughs> people oh, people uh, don't have time. People don't have time to play their creatures. Um, and then uh, kind of on this board wipe, sort <laughs> of this mass wipe effect, we've got uh, Seeds of Innocence, mm-hmm. um, which is it's kind of like a like decks that run Pyroclasm, where you're just trying to get that massive tempo advantage of uh, wiping all the you know non-green decks artifacts. Um, mm-hmm. But I think right now there's just not enough non-green decks. Everyone's on green because it's super good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, uh, also as a as one of the biggest uh, players of seeds, I think out of us three, is the fact that it was basically the Pernicious deed of my deck. Uh, in the fact that it, it's it was mainly to get rid of artifact stacks pieces while also mm-hmm. being as a plan B as a tempo play against all the artifact ramp that your opponents might play. 
But yeah, if you don't run, yeah. if you don't play against stacks, then definitely cut Seeds of Innocence because it's not that good as a tempo play only. Um, yeah, but if you're if you're against three decks that are each playing artifact stacks, or or even just two decks that are dumping several artifact stacks each, then like having your single Nature's Claim just isn't going to get there, and you're gonna yeah, you're gonna yeah, want to have. You, an yeah, if, if you're playing against the fairy and mono black CDC all the time, then sure, play Seeds of Innocence. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Right there. Honestly, if you're if you're trying to make this as as broad into a blank meta as possible, if you're not sure whether or not you want to put in Deluge or Seeds of Innocence or something, I think Pernicious Deed is is kind of just you can you can jam that all around if you really need mm-hmm. to. If you expect a bunch of stacks, well, the only problem with yeah. Pernicious is that it costs a lot. Yes, yeah, it's three to play and two to activate, right? Or so no, it's X to activate. X to activate. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. So like, if you're trying to wipe three, like it's, yeah, so yeah, six yeah. six that's is what you're usually playing something like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Man, it's been a while since I played that card. Yeah, and then our final I last card played is... that card when I was in like seventh grade. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and our uh, final card is Nullrod. Yeah, uh, Leptus, you still main deck Nullrod? Yes, uh, we are a green black deck, so we run Nullrod. That's mm. <laughs> that's so, yeah, it. Simple formula. Simple formula. You play green. Go you play. We black. run. How many other green black decks are running? LED. <laughs> like, come on. Hey, I am. Me. Yeah, well, your Muldrow that doesn't doesn't count. You guys are doing combos with it. <laughs> it also has a number on it. Really? Yes. How many? I guess. I guess you're you're like LEDs, like your main combo piece. But Gitrog out of Gitrog runs runs more artifacts than than Muldrow does for sure. Like more. Like we're I running everything. Count on it. More artifact that's tapped for that taps for mana, like Chromox, Chromox. Um, yeah, where's my list? I'm looking at Razliox's Razzle, list. I'm like, I was about to say Everflowing Chalice. I'm like, wait a second, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Chromox, Grim Monolith, LED, Lotus Petal, Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, Soul Ring, Mox Diamond. That's eight. Uh, I think right. I cut Chromox, but that's mostly just because I don't like that card. Uh, but I want all the other ones. You're right. You, okay. And Nullrod. I think that's wrong. But I guess you're more of a stack stack. We're not a stack it's stack. certainly more of a stack stack, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's... Gitrog is not a stack stack, and I think pretending to be is a bad plan. You've got to go fast. You're not trying to slow things down. You don't want to slow things down. Yeah. Uh, in, all serious... the st- yeah. in all seriousness, slowed down. Uh, of including the Nullrod, it's definitely a flex slot that is easily replaced mm-hmm. by any other form of interaction it's just the fact that it has been so far in uh, my experience it has just uh, been the most universal form of hate that you can uh, easily play around because you play green and you play play the black rituals and even though the seven uh, must have artifacts in your deck uh, of fast mana are uh, out of order uh, again, with the conservative way of just following through uh, the opposition with lands, expiration effects, uh, mana dorks, uh, and all the all the green and black ramp that you get, it's not mm. a hindrance. Uh, like at least let's say eighty five percent of the time. But yeah, uh, you it's a definitely a flex slot and can be cut for other forms of interaction. Okay. Okay, let's move on to ramp. There's only a few cards here. Hopefully, we can get them uh, done pretty quickly. So, first up is Somberwald Sage. Okay, so 
actually these 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 kind of um I think it's actually better to start with Lotus Cobra because this is one where we're we're sort of uh, this one has kind of been cut from most of our lists. So that that's kind of just we can quickly talk about that. And then because Somberwald kind of goes together with Jiraga Tree Speaker. Um but we'll talk about those together. Um so just yeah, briefly with Lotus Cobra, um I, I found it just was not consistent enough uh and it was kind of a dead draw later in the game. Um, yeah. And so I'd cut it for more and, consistent. And tossing rank. two mana. Yeah. I mean, two mana, key, I don't understand, man. Two mana is, is not super, it's not a lot of mana. <laughs> it's, it's not, but when it doesn't, it, it doesn't guarantee that it produces mana. It's like a two mana mana dork that, you know, sometimes has a bigger upside. Yeah. But is is not even guaranteed to be a mana every turn. I think uh, I think like most sometimes you run out of lands. Most cuts say, are for for wall of roots, right? We kind of switch to wall yeah, of roots over I think, that. I can't remember if I put wall of roots. Yeah, it's well. it's basically at least I cut uh, cobra for wall of roots, but uh, cobra is probably the uh, most cut and re-added card in the history of my list. I've I, cut it yeah, like seven times. Yeah, I've cut it like seven times and re-added it like seven times or six times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in short, it's usually mana neutral. You play it, then you play a fetch land, and you're back into uh, you uh, into the two mana, and it makes uh, stuff like like early game plays. It's just you just play Lotus Cobra and the card that you were gonna play anyway, um, uh, uh, with fetch lands at least. And also the other part where it actually becomes super uh, good is when you play Nose. Yeah. And in ad nauseum, it's a tremendous amount of mana fixing as well as mana ramp, uh, because it's mana neutral and it because it allows all these exploration effects becoming and uh, uh, yeah, fetch lands becoming just black lotuses, and that's I'll, where it shines. I'll kind of jump off that too. With I, I kind of cut cobra for the same reason I cut exploration, which is that mm-hmm. cobra is good with land heavy like exploration is good with land heavy hands where you're not kind of just going you know turn one land dork turn two if you're going like um you know if you most of the time you wouldn't keep a four a four land hand because you're not unless you have like absolutely just gas cards um for your for your last three and like some insane ramp right so most of the time you're going to be on three lands and and keep it, a lot of two land hands too. Yeah, two hand two land hands are, are pretty keepable often, um, and then those cards just lose all their value, and then they only become good like with Nas. Uh, so I'd much rather just have like consistent ramp. It's kind of what I felt about it. Mm-hmm. That's sort of where I'm with them as well. Yeah, um, Lotus Cobra okay. uh, in short, but again, uh, explosive. Again, if you're tutoring, consistent. if you're tutoring life from the loam every game, and you've got a million fetch lands. Then exploration and Lotus Cobra can be crazy good. Well, that's right? true. That's a completely different game, right? Yep. So I think that comes down to playstyle. I love it. Did you did you want to say something about it or? Uh yeah, just uh, in short, uh, very uh, explosive uh, mana mana source, but not mm-hmm. a consistent mm-hmm. one, especially when your playstyle is not uh, keeping up with the land drops, but just going through uh, to the win as fast as possible. 
Okay, and then our last two cards we can kind of bundle together is Somberwald Sage and Jiraga Tree Speaker. So yeah. uh, this started with uh, Kibitzin. You were testing with Basalt um, and uh, Mesmeric Orb as like an alter, yeah. alternate win con, and then you ended up cutting Mesmeric yeah. Orb and kept Basalt, and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, so I tested Basalt Mesmeric as an alternate way to win um, or, to, or to essentially loop without having to... Uh, deal with um or or to to get around um creature hate um stuff that stuff that would deal with your creatures um and i it you know it it wasn't bad um it just was sort of almost distracting like trying to go for that line meant that you weren't getting the pieces that you needed for the normal lines um and so then if you got stopped you were stuck with one piece or the other um i mean if you untap with Mesmeric Orb in play, you are a very happy frog player. Um, I, if you untap with Gitrog and Mesmeric Orb out, you're a very happy frog player. But um, sort of getting to that state is is pretty uncommon. It's so telegraphed that everybody's just like, okay, time to time to blow up the artifact or blow up the Gitrog. Um, in which case, then you're just milling, uh, milling for no value. Um, which you know sometimes you hit useful stuff. Sometimes you hit your life from the loam or, or something else. Yeah, but you you ended up keeping the basalt after cutting. But I kept I kept basalt um, because I found that I really liked how often it gave me um, the the turn three gitrog with my land drop still available. Um, And so the the key was I found that I I had a ton of hands where I would uh, play a turn one dork and play a turn two um, basalt monolith, Um, and then after that. On turn three, I would have you know six six mana available from the start. Play get play get rug with a mana up, um, in case I need to you know uh, cast some uh, hand hate first or something like that. Uh, at, but then after I play get rug, I still have both of my land drops, which means I can save those fetch lands till after get rugs in play. Mm-hmm. I can save. Um, the utility lands or like the sack lands or, or you know, whatever, um, and get draws off of those. Um, and it seemed to really increase the number of those turn three get rugs that also converted into the turn three win. Uh, yeah. The deck is incredibly good at dropping get rug turn three, but oftentimes you'll drop get rug turn three and be out of mana. Yeah, two mana or have your, your or, yeah. tutor and get your thing into players right like yeah. you can you can play the your your land after get rug but then that's it like maybe you get a draw off that land um but but then you're stuck you've got you've got one mana you use that mana to tutor um but then they, they you've got your get rug in play and they know you've tutored so you're stuck yeah um, so but then if you, if you have the ability to have two mana after your get rug um or, or potentially even more um the chances of you being able to get the get get the discard outlet into play uh seemed to go up a lot um and so that's why i kept basalt in um was to to facilitate those sort of hands that really um really go for that turn three win not just the turn three get rug yeah so we, we kind of we a lot of us on the frogs are clued into like the strength of of what kibison was saying with basalt um and then I, I, it might have been me or someone else who pointed out that like because i think I, if it was me i think it was because i was thinking about um Momir Vig running uh, Somberwald Sage. I was like, I mean, it, it seems, Somberwald Sage just seems to fit the bill kind of a bit better 
um, mm-hmm. where you're not having to, to rebuy that um, rebuy that effect by, by banking three more mana, you know? So it's not like yeah. turn three, you have lots of mana. Much and less then, one-time use. Yeah, yeah. And so Somberworld Sage uh, definitely took off in popularity. Lots of people like that in testing. Um, and then something that got suggested recently, I forget who, um, but it was uh, Jiraga Tree Speaker. Um, and that's something I've been testing um, a lot recently, and it's been very, very good. Because uh, Somberwald Sage requires, you know, the turn one dork into uh, turn two Somberwald. Um, and then, whereas Jiraga Tree Speaker is turn one uh, Tree Speaker, turn two, you get access, you essentially turning it on, and you get access to the mana that turn, which then gives you on its own turn three frog. Um, or, you know, the, one of the big advantages over Somberwald is that uh, you can also use that mana for Ad Nauseam if you were trying to do that. Yeah, um, yeah and it gets you to, it doesn't get you to six like Somberwald does, but you don't really need to be at six. It's, yeah. it's nice to nice to have six, but not required by any means. Well, because also if you have the, it, do, it will get you to six in the sense that if you have, or it will get you higher, it, depending if you use the mana that when you're pumping in the level up. Um, if you're going to use that to develop dorks as well. True, true. Um, which Somberwald already requires you to have a dork in order to get that into play on turn two. Um, exactly. Yeah, so I also I like Tree Speaker. I, I could see lists in the future running both Tree Speaker and Somberwall just because of the, the power of that effect. Um, mm-hmm. But it might just be that you only want one of that effect, in which case I'm liking Tree Speaker. Could still be Somberwall, yeah. though. Yeah, um, I'm definitely planning to test with that. Yeah, and then our, our very last thing that I think... Uh, or, we'll talk about is is cycling lands um which is i think they were necessary in the past with to do sorcery speed loops and then bio came up with his uh 13 land pile or something like that i forget what it is exactly but it's a it's a loop that lets you short uh, do things at sorcery speed that's short cobble and that doesn't require the cycling lands mm-hmm. and so then outside of that i think they're just tap lands that aren't super great or bad cantrips yeah, if you if you think of them as non lands, because um, you really don't want to play them as tap lands. It's just um, we we all know how tap lands are; they they're not great. Yeah. Um, but if you think of them as bad non lands, um, or or as as like cantrips that are non lands, um, that get better once you have Gitrog, right? You know, cycling for cycling for one and getting two is pretty nice. But the deck really doesn't need more stuff that is good once you've got Gitrog in play. Pretty much once you've got Gitrog in play, everything is good. Like, all the things you do are really busted. Yeah. You, you put so many lands into your graveyard, you get so many draws, and paying paying extra mana for those draws and just just paying mana to just draw is pretty underwhelming. Again, if you go for that slow style with the uh, with Life from the Loam, that's a different story. Um, because then you can you can get huge value out of them yeah. um, by, by repeatedly using them. Um, but outside of that, they just don't really do enough to merit inclusion in, in at least the style of list that I play, the fast, uh, su- super like aggressive um, combo style. Okay, so I think yeah. that uh, wraps up our civil card discussion uh, portion. We're going to move into the uh, section where we're titling Would You Mulligan? And so we have three sort of interesting hands uh, that going to go through and consider maybe why you would or wouldn't mulligan or how you'd play them. Uh, we're going to try and do that nice and quickly. Uh, we'll try and have a way that these hands can be visually displayed uh, when we post the podcast, but for now, I will just read them out. So the first hand consists of 
uh, Gaia's Cradle, Gemstone Caverns, Worldly Tutor, Reign of Filth, Noose Constrictor, Sylvan Safekeeper, and Life from Below. Okay, so I guess just quick off the bat, Keeper Mulligan. Um, jump in wherever you guys. I'm thinking about this for a sec. Yeah, I don't. I this is a tough one. Um, I'm not sure. I think this looks like a keep. Um, because you've got the obviously, if you're not going first, you've got the gemstone caverns is coming to play turn one, and then you can right off the bat you could uh, worldly in upkeep i don't even know if you'd want to do that though you'd probably want to go gemstone caverns play your safekeeper play your cradle tap the cradle play the worldly and that could set you up kind of nice yeah but if you have a gemstone caverns uh in the in the field with a luck counter you can just uh, play worldly tutor before your first turn even begins oh yeah yeah true 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 yeah so So. then you could mm, so then hmm true what do you if you find something like a you could do a tree speaker turn if you find tree speaker then you've got uh gemstone so you 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 pre uh before you turn your worldly for tree speaker draw the tree speaker then you go uh gemstone tap that for your safekeeper play your cradle tap the cradle for the jiraga and then that could set you up for a turn three get rog and you've already got your oh um we should we should establish we're probably hitting the reign of filth right with the uh caverns uh, that's what i would hit probably yeah yeah, yeah um because the life from the loan can be the dacmore tutor and you've got the news constrictor and the other stuff you want to keep well then also you've got your safekeeper right so you yeah, you you'll get your your git rock into play um on turn three with uh turn two right no because you can't right. pump the jiraga first yeah so you need to you need yeah. an extra turn so you yeah, get your uh, turn three git rock um and then you can sack your lands and then you can um, use your uh, loam to just start generating advantage with the safekeeper. Yeah, a good rule of thumb is uh, when you have a card with dredge three, you want three draw triggers to have a, around a 70% chance of uh, getting deck more. Got it. Uh, That's a good, good rule yeah. of thumb. So what you want is uh, if you get at least one more land from the draws uh, that you get, you can sack all of those three lands to Sylvan Safekeeper and have a 70% chance of digging into Dakmore with just by dredging, uh, discarding and dredging life from the loam with the dredge tutor line. I think and the key also, thing to tell also you also note is that you can, um, if you, if you, even if you don't get those lands, what you can do is you can float mana from the lands before you sack them and then cast life from the loam, like cast it first and get the lands back and replay them. Yeah, yeah. especially you because you've got your, your you've got your noose constrictor, um, safekeeper. You're gonna have Gitrog, and if you're tutoring Jiraga, your your cradle is tapping for a lot of mana. So that's it's easily paying for the life from the loam again. I think the key yeah. takeaway before we move on to the next hand, the key takeaway from this hand um, is your your land tight hands, and 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 you, you can they're still playable. Um, You've just got to look for a line, and, and sometimes that line with using your worldly tutor for um, early ramp, because sometimes people save their worldly tutors for you know combo pieces. You know, someone might like look at this hand and be like, "Oh, my worldly is going to have to be a Golgari Grave Troll, right, to complete yeah. the combo here." But or, or even like a backup um, discard outlet. 
yeah. if you're worried that the first one gets blown up or something like that. Or Bob. Like Bob Bob would be that. far too slow in this kind of hand, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but that's something that, that people might think to do. Yeah. Um, also, a good, a good point about this is that if you're going first with a gemstone caverns in your hand, you probably want to mull it. Yes, yes. This hand is garbage if you're going first. <laughs> um, so check, okay. check that box first um, before keeping this hand. Yeah. Next okay. hand, Spleen. Uh, the next hand is a Bayou, and then Boreal Druid, Priest of Titania, and Putridim, and then Autumnsville, Summoner's Pact, and Sylvan Tutor. So, first off, keep irrelevant. I think keep, but this one's tough. It's a one-lander, and you're, like, very okay, vulnerable. Uh, keep it to the Luptus, keep irrelevant. This is a very difficult, a difficult keep, I would say. It's, uh, you, it, I mean, it it's, a... it's tough to say no to a hand that has protection, your discard outlet, and a tutor for your Golgari Grave Troll. Um, the only thing that's hampering this hand is mana. Um, so if you can, I mean, the right call with this hand is to just luck sack into drawing lands. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or like or like other ramp. Um like if you I, I, I would I would mulligan this probably just because of the I, I the, would probably the, mulligan this. Just because so, I, I don't want to rely on the line that, that I see is you start with Boreal Druid and then turn two you play Priest of Titania. Yeah. And then if you hit right. a land you've got If your, you hit a land you also have your Sylvan Tutor for something else. Um if you hit that land you can get yeah, you know, you can go get another Ramp. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, also, if, you, if, if you're playing against other green decks, you're, you're likely going to get Gitrog. Now, the dangerous yeah. thing there is obviously that if you lose your. You, Gitrog could die if you don't hit lands because you've yeah. got your one Bayou that gets you. But at that point, you're, you're like four cards deeper. Yeah. So uh, you should expect it. And then also, if you've got um, Raymond up in your deck, then you can sort of get by off that. And because you, you've got the tutors to get there. Mm-hmm. And you've got there's double also tutors, the, so it's, it's kind of redundant. It's there's also the tempting. yeah. There's also the dilemma of uh, opposing interaction and how aggressively are they gonna interact with your turn one and turn two ramp pieces. If you don't run, uh, if you don't uh, get any lands from the top of your deck, you're you're in a very tight situation. If somebody mental missteps yeah. your burial druid or um, oh god, yeah, gets rid of your priest garbage. of Titania, then the hand becomes garbage. And so. It's good to take a look at uh, how much people in your table are gonna uh, eye your uh, board position or your board state and stuff like that. So but yeah, uh, I would. So if you're in a table where people are afraid enough of your Gitrog deck that they're mental misstepping Boreal Druids, I think you might want to find a new table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably not winning any of those games. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I will say if you missed your turn two land drop, played a Priest of Titania as someone who plays maybe more removal-heavy and interactive decks, if I could kill that Priest of Titania, I certainly would. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. So that's that's the big risk. You really need a land in those first two draws. Um, well, and that I think for that reason, I would. You could protect your Priest. Like I mean, you it's desperate. That's true. It's desperate, but you could you could always. Um, Summoner's packed for for uh, <laughs> ESG and then cast your autumn spell. 
Because <laughs> you will oh, be able so to pay for it. All have to do is your priest and that's where all of the interaction is coming your way. Universe wants to do that. That's the kind of play I would make. I'd be like, no, fuck it. I'm going. What a baller. Okay, we're done. Yeah, so this one, this okay. one's definitely uh, tough, but there is, I think, I think from, I guess the takeaway from this is look, look at your your lines and what you need to draw off the top to make it good and playable because this is so tempting. Hands obviously yeah. are going to be tempting that have low land counts because your hands are just going to be full of gas. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, our last next hand, hand uh, is Command Beacon Marshflats Mana Crypt. Elvish Spirit Guide, Worldly Tutor, Autumn's Veil, and Colored Bleak. So hmm. you got two lands and a crypt and a spirit guide, but. Huh. So, Keeper Mulligan, let's start with Keepinson this time. Well, so with, with Mana Crypt, two lands, and an ESG, that's, that's a turn two frog. Alright. And then you've got, and then you've got a tutor, and you've got protection, but you don't really have mana to use the protection if you're if you're going for the turn two frog, and you don't really have anything to use the calling the week on, so that's essentially a, a null card. Um, I this is this is a tough hand again. Um, I think I th- you're also I color would probably screwed, eh? keep this. Your color screwed off the so you have to use your ESG for your green. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, you get a bayou. You do get the bayou. You get the bayou so that you'll be able to do the worldly tutor and then also cast the Gibrog off the ESG. But like, it's not. You're not. It's not great. Uh, yeah, this is the so... interesting hand where you can do the uh, uh, turn one uh, or and step get. Uh, Ramun up with uh, World Tutor, and then you can mm. play turn two Ramun up uh, with the Mana Crypt mana, mm. and then you have a well, fetch you land in your grave. You could, but yeah, I mean, you're you not could. getting the you value could. off it, so you'd, you'd waste your ESG. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but basically, I would probably just end step Ramun up exp- excavator here and start grinding with uh, with the fetch land that you have, but. And then again, that's just me, and it, it yeah. could. Uh, I just, I, I think I would just keep this just on the fact that you have your colors at least, uh, even if it's just one colored source, and then you have a mana crypt and a worldly tutor to bring you more colored sources if you don't draw into more colored sources. Yeah, this is so. this is a hand where you know having t- been on and, and taken it, uh, been been on in Ramanap and taken it out depending on on my build. This is this is a hand where I certainly hope I'm running Ramanap at the time, because yeah, it gives you that 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 initial you know grind and just massive value to find off uh, off your worldly tutor. You know, I guess if you're not on Ramanap, you could consider getting um, Bob, but nah, it's not. But, it's but not then fantastic. it's very context. Yeah, very contextual based on the table and the matchups here up against yeah. you you have to be you have to be uh, uh relying on the opponent's interaction to uh, stop early game combo attempts so yeah yeah that's that's one thing about it is there's no interaction though that's been the same with all the previous ones as well yeah just protection from with autumn's veil and just gas mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, usually, I, I think I'd probably keep this hand even in a deck without ramming up, um, and I would, I would consider just going for the turn two get rug and trying to draw it out of there. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty greedy. So. Well, what would you worldly for, in that case? Would um, I would save worldly until after the get rug, I think. I guess that gives you the option to find a somber wall or something to rebuild in case get rug gets countered, yeah. or get the discard outlet. Um, yeah. If if I find other stuff right yeah okay cool, cool, cool. and and then you and then you can hold up mana for autumn's veil too if people try to remove it on your upkeep or whatever mm-hmm. would you yeah, so I actually just... just quick question would you um are you always going for turn two frog here or, or do you ever like play it safe for like turn three frog with autumn's veil backup if you draw um, land if you hit the land uh, it depends on the table right if somebody's holding up their double blue and a kind of thing yeah maybe i wait for the autumn fail but like if everybody's like tapping out for their dorks or or you know signets yeah then you just then want to get rock and play start you getting just value. and are not giving you the i'm gonna force of wheelie or frog look <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah people are giving you that look hold up wait for the autumn fail um and it, it, it is pretty dependent on what you draw those first couple turns right like if turn one and turn two you draw draw some certain things like that could very much change what you're doing yeah it yeah, is a little rough that calling the week is essentially not in this hand yeah because uh, we're so creature light um, yeah but if you draw a creature like a dork or something then it's easy uh turn mm-hmm. three frog if your first frog gets uh, uh or if you're yeah. wait 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 if you draw a land off the top that's a like a colored source you can go turn one, uh, mana crypt, play your uh, your like green play source, guide. play ESG, so that you can hold up your turn two frog with uh, Autumn's Veil backup using the Calling the Week. Yeah, I thought That's about funny. that line. That's funny. It just seemed pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> burning your ESG and calling. Yeah. yeah. But tempting. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's going to draw a lot of attention. <laughs> for, for better, for yeah. better or worse. If your opponents are giving you that, I'm gonna force a will your frog look. It might be the right play. Yeah, okay. Well. Okay. Uh, um. So I, th- yeah. I think our next section we can kind of do fairly quickly. There's there's just a few things I want to point out. Um, this is not... uh, this yeah. section is about uh, piloting advice, uh, and we'll just give each of our contributors just a couple minutes to say anything that they would give us advice during piloting. So let's start with Nugent. Yeah, some things that aren't necessarily super intuitive. Um, or, or some things you... like. One of the things you, you might try to get away with early on when you're piloting Frog is like, uh, your, your first fetch, you'll go find a bayou, and then your second fetch, you'll you'll try to find your, your uh, overgrown tomb. That's kind of iffy. You don't necessarily want to do that. You want to... Um, you can because you can screw yourself off of uh, your your later fetches being able to find colors okay. because if you're going get rog and then you're going to fold it up with a fetch um, from your additional land play and you you don't know like you could draw like a nice tutor or something that you really want uh, to cast or something that you just really want to cast on a silly tutor um, so you want that ability to find your overgrown tomb after that mm-hmm. yeah so saving your overgrown tomb to be fetched later. Uh, obviously, your first fetch is going to be by you like ninety nine percent of the time. Um, it depends what else is in your hand. 
Um, I sometimes save the bayou as well, right? And and in some metas, if you're worried at all about um, uh, like Blood Moon and that kind of thing, um, oh, that's true. Or, yeah. or back to basics. Sometimes I'll it, right. Like if you if you know what's in your hand and you can get away with not having to search up your bayou early, um, or or your overground tomb, um, it it can be really beneficial to not get them. Um, but you have to you have to judge. Um, if if you're going to run into a situation where you wish you had it, um, it's also important to establish your swamps, your swamps too for sequences. Lake of the yeah. Dead. Yeah. Generally, prioritize swamps over forests. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing on here we have is uh, aggressive versus conservative play. We've covered this probably to death in this podcast, where you can actually play frog in a bunch of different ways. You know, it just has yeah. that reach. You're not going to get punished for playing greedy or for playing greedy too much. Uh, you know, because yeah. frog can just go fast, and you can force your opponents to have it, or you can play conservatively and take advantage of Git Rug's insane grindability. Like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do good. whiff sometimes and get and get stopped, um, but it's pretty good at, about building back after that. Um, yeah. And as a consequence of playing super aggressive, I've won a lot of games that I had absolutely no business winning. Um, just going for going for the crazy outline where you where you luck into the the thing the one card that you need to draw or the, the handful of cards that you need. Um, sometimes you just get there, um, and early people are developing their boards and they're not they're not as ready to defend against your your crazy plays. Um, so you can get away with a lot if you if you really push those boundaries. Yeah, there's also the fact of aggressive. You can really be super aggressive with this deck in comparison to other fast combo decks because mm-hmm. uh, first of all uh, the Gitrog deck is uh, not like other combo decks you have a lot of unique pieces that are immune to most uh, conventional interaction and uh, second mm-hmm. of all uh, a lot of the pieces are reanimator-esque in the way that uh, okay I just got this countered well I have this other reanimator reanimation spell so I'm just going to do this again on the next turn and uh, Gitrog is kind of like that you never have to go super all in with the stuff you uh, stuff you're going through. So uh, you're not gonna like uh, get blown out if your discard outlet gets countered mm-hmm. or Gitrog gets removed. Sometimes you have to get all the mana back uh, to to get Gitrog back, but this deck does it really well, like really, really well. Or or you tutor up a command beacon and play him for play him for five again. Yeah. yeah, if he gets out, there of, are, out of hand. Yeah, there are um, very many lines to rebuild out of nothing, which has been yeah. a, a big point in this podcast already. So the, uh, the the next thing we'll touch on quickly is sequencing. Uh, so I have here as an example uh, playing Frog versus the discard outlet first. Um, so obviously in these kinds of scenarios, you're trying to mitigate whether or not um, what, get, what, get, what gets countered. Sorry. So... Um, Generally, if you have Gitrog in play and you go to cast a Git, uh, discard outlet, people are going to be like, that needs to get countered immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Because they're like, they'll just assume you have Dakmore in hand, and if they let it resolve, there's nothing they can do. Their counter spells are useless. So um, that's going to get countered. The same thing is if you have a discard outlet in play and you cast Gitrog, they're going to think the exact same thing. So you should be conscious about how you sequence um, playing these if you're trying to burst it out all in one turn. Generally, you're going to play the Gitrog first and then your discard outlet. Um, yeah. Any other sequencing things you, for you guys? Oh, 
I, I think the, the frog versus outlet um, discussion is a very, very interesting one. Um, and it depends a lot on the perceptions of the people that you play with um, and what and their threat assessment. So assessing assessing your opponent's threat assessment is key to the, the sequencing in Gurog. That's um, true. Yeah. One of the things that I really like to do is if you have an extra tutor or you have an extra outlet, lead with the outlet to gauge their their perception of it. Um, and then, you know, if they if they start countering frog, um, you can always replay them. Uh, but if they try to remove the um, outlet in response to the frog and let you keep the frog, then you can follow it up with doing more frog, uh, playing another outlet and doing that stuff. Yeah, it does yeah. depend also on what kind of interaction you think they have, right? Because if mm-hmm. if they if you think they have chain of vapor or something, and they're you'd you'd much rather lead with your um, discard outlet because you'd rather mm-hmm. have that get bounced than get rock. Um, exactly. And then one other note I want to say on sequencing um, is that the other day I uh, was playing a game with Blitz. And I had Necropotence and Tainted Pact, and I was trying to dig for Dakmore. Um, and what I found is that there's actually lots of intricacies in, in sequencing, wherein I went for Tainted Pact before the Necropotence, um, but I'm fairly certain I, I would have gotten there had I gotten Necropotence before the Tainted Pact, because I would have been able to draw into... Um, Either I, I first get to see a bunch of cards to see whether or not Dakmore gets there, and then I don't have to you know exile cards to Tainted Pact. Um, and then if I don't get there, if I draw a Titan, then that's still live in my hand and protected. Um, so that's, that's good there. Mm-hmm. And then the Tainted Pact, um, you don't want to have to use the Tainted Pact if you don't have to, basically. That's, that's kind of what it, what it comes down to. You just try to get as much, um, try not to be overly committal when you're sequencing. Sequence that, use the, uh, the thing that, that commits you the least to being all in first mm-hmm. and then you know progressively go down that line yeah leave up as many options as possible because mm-hmm. yeah you know a lot of this deck is those draw triggers that you get off get rug um and so preparing yourself to react to whatever you draw off of some of those triggers can make the the difference between winning the game and losing it um i've i've had so many games where um if i had been a little bit more careful with my mana just the the random assortment of stuff that I drew off of you know cracking some fetches after I played Gitrog would have gotten me there, um, and and you know the the other way as well where I I played super super clean and tight in my setup for Gitrog um, and left myself with exactly um, you know you know play to your outs be like okay I know that if I draw the putrid imp in these next three cards and I keep up the swamp I can just win. Um, but if I end up with like just a colorless mana left over, I'm going to be stuck, um, and have to wait till the next turn. That, that kind of thing can really make the difference, uh, between getting those, that extra little bit of win percentage. Okay. And then, uh, the last thing we want to cover in piloting advice is your eight card cleanup step combo hand. Well, so I, I just wanted to, um, it, it's not, not necessarily what to sculpt here, but I just wanted to, to point out quickly that, um. Some people think it's a sculpt seven, but you can actually sculpt eight, and you can do. Uh, you can actually sculpt nine. Well, you, nine. Dakmore's One your ninth card. Dakmore. Dakmore's yeah. your ninth card, so you get to sculpt eight cards. Um, which and and using this the, the technique. So how this happens is that you discard Dakmore, you dredge it, and then if you net a draw trigger, then that's your that's your eighth card or your ninth. That's your ninth card and your eighth card excluding Dakmore. 
Uh, so you can get that card as, into that hand as part of the sculpt. And doing this technique allows you to loop cards like uh, Slaughter Pact or when you're doing an Autumn's Veil. Because otherwise, if, you, if you're if you only on a uh, Sculpt 7, so that, that Dakmore is your 8th card in hand, then you go to cast an Autumn's Veil, that gets countered, you're now at 7 cards in hand and you can no longer continue the combo. Yeah. Right? If it gets countered. So then you're kind of forced to commit at that point. So... This way you get to go burn through, if you're doing the going up to nine cards, you get to uh, burn through each one of your green mana individually until you can resolve your autos fail. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, and then we're moving on, I guess, to questions. Yeah. So uh, we have a few questions that didn't really fit uh, necessarily the other categories. Uh, so the first one is about uh, matchups. So, what are matchups you want to watch out for, uh, and how do you sort of play when you're in one of those matchups? Uh, you know, what do you need to find? What are you? Do you hold certain things that you might play? Do you play certain things you might hold, etc. So, uh, what do you guys think are the worst matchups for your deck? Um, I have a couple listed here. Anafenza. <laughs> uh, Despite the possibility to loop through Anafenza, still not fun to play against. Um, if you're missing one of the necessary pieces that somehow, you know, you, you don't get access to that, then you're still going to have a bad time. Because um, you also need to be on a very specific list, and those the, the list is not budget at all, right? You need to be running Chains of Mephistopheles, Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah, so it's not super budget friendly. So if you're, most Gitrog lists are going to lose to Anafenza. Um, mm -hmm. rest in peace dot deck <laughs> so yeah, any deck that can run playing rest in peace yeah same goes oh, for yeah. humility but you don't really see humility yeah. anymore um, yeah pretty much I'm the only one who plays in it <laughs> yeah uh, um, and then yeah so rest in peace decks really like zer because it can really easily find it um, but beyond that most decks don't have immediate access to rest in peace so you can kind of bank off that but like Najila they they sometimes run rest in peace and that's you know that can be problematic for sure um but beyond that there's only decks that are sometimes impactful like like nothing's a super awful matchup uh fast decks that are faster kind of suck um because we're not a super interactive deck um mm -hmm. you need to have your your very little bits of interaction like flash hulk you've got exactly your hand attack your your creature destruction, your your artifact enchantment destruction doesn't really do anything. Um, so you either have to race them or have your very few pieces of interaction. So those aren't great, but there's not too many decks that can race us consistently. Um, and then so beyond this, I've got Yisan listed here and Sisse listed here. And the reason for this is that there's uh, two pieces in each of there's a piece in each of these decks that is very annoying to face. Not unbeatable, just annoying. Yisan, obviously, on turn four, they're going to be on verse two, which means you're going to see Scavenging Ooze. And that card's annoying because you can only fight through a single piece of interaction, grave interaction. So if they have two green mana up, which they're going to do because they're Yisan, then that's annoying to fight through. And you're going to want something like uh, an Abrupt Decay or uh, Assassin's Trophy to remove it. And then the last being uh, Sisse because they've got access to Limbala. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add on those? 
Yeah, basically, uh, those are those, that's a g really good sum up. Uh, kind of em emphasize on the faster decks. Uh, if there's a lot of fast combo uh, that are into the turn two or cons more consistent turn two or turn three victories, uh, especially with uh, blue, but they still don't use it use it for interaction. Just go for the Flash Hulk. I think a lot of Flash Hulk decks are they are not uh, they're not a good matchup for Gitrog just because they can race and uh, that's the point where Gitrog can become a parasitic deck of sorts if you don't mm -hmm. have the mm -hmm. uh, uh, the ways and the uh, good card pool to deal with Flash Hawk as soon as the game begins. So uh, yeah, you kind of have to rely on um, some of the other blue decks to, to counter or, uh, or find a graph cage. Yeah, or I've, find your find your early graph gauge. Uh, yeah, I, I did a, sometimes be too late I, unless it's in your opener. Yeah, yeah, I I did a, like a one hundred goldfish, which uh, with me being conservative might be a uh, <laughs> relatively uh, slow uh, slower average winning turn, but it was uh, at, on average it was about one turn slower than Flash Hawk. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. If there are, if there are faster a lot of faster decks like a lot of Flash Hulk or something like that, uh, then well, I think those the the, uh, the Flash Hulk deck you're talking about that, that was Breakfast at the time, right? Yeah, which had Hermit Druid. So Hermit Druid, like Shuffle Hulk, you can probably raise Shuffle Hulk. Okay, because it's a bit slower because they don't have the Hermit wins. Hermit Druid gives so many of the fast consistent wins in, uh, like that, that that really brings down the average turn uh, Goldfish win. Um, Fortunately, we deal with Hermit Druid a lot uh, easier uh, yeah. if, if somebody plays it. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Lightning uh, Druid lists are sprouting up because of the uh, Jumpstart card, uh, the Velocity. I, I I don't remember what it what it's called. Maximize Velocity. Yeah, yeah. Maximize Velocity, and uh, yeah, those decks can also win very quickly with it. But yeah. Okay, so. Um... So those are bad matchups, uh, and in those matchups, like we said, you're just gonna mulligan for the piece for for, for uh, obviously going fast if you can get around their interaction um, or the, the aspect of their deck that that affects you. So again, CSN if their stuff's coming down turn four, um, the the screws coming down turn four, you don't need to have interaction to, or removal in your hand for it if you can just go faster. Um, but then if you're not going fast, you need to make sure that you have a way to either. Uh, answer what ESN is going to do itself or remove the SKU so that you can combo. Uh, and that, that can be applied generally to all the other uh, bad uh, matchups. Um, so as for good matchups, really everything else kind of feels like a good matchup. <laughs> or not, not, I guess not necessarily like a super good matchup, just that you never feel like you're out of the game. You always feel like you have a really good chance of winning. At least that's how I feel. Yeah. In bad matchups, particularly matchups with very effective green paint decks that you expect rest in peace or um, do you change the way you play in anticipation of the rest in peace? You know, is there something you might normally try on turn two that you don't or anything like that? I mean, don't leave your deck more in your graveyard. <laughs> But yeah, like, just you shouldn't be doing that anyway. Um, I mean, maybe not. It's, I've seen some people uh, like do an early tutor for a dredger and, and toss it in the yard. 
that's probably a bad idea if you're expecting them to play rest in peace. But like, yeah. Other than that, it's. I mean, I feel like you still always want to establish your early game to just draw cards. Exactly. Make make hay uh, while the sun shines. Yeah. So you play you play get wrong either expecting there was a decent chance that your opponent jam rest in peace on the cover. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, just make the make them make them and have just, to rest in peace. Exactly, it's one it's one card in their deck, and you know, if if they if they do have it, then you you quickly try to find an answer for it so that you can go off. And the nice thing is, if they do have it, people pay way less attention to the fact that you've got to get rug in play, because um, you know it's killing a land of yours every turn for no for no benefit. Um, but then then it's a lot easier to pull off those instant speed wins where like on the end step before your turn you just blow up the rest in peace and go off yeah that's true um okay yeah so that question was by uh yep uh and our next question by uh jim wolfie is just anything you want to say about the front Uh, here we mentioned chains uh, yeah, don't don't play chains. Yeah, go faster. Uh, yeah, frog mirror. Be aggressive. The more aggressive player usually wins the frog mirror because frog doesn't have the blue players that the other ones the threat. That well, so yeah, you. <laughs> that's that's where you want to be slower. You want to be the second to combo if you're like everyone else has interaction. But like, if you're if you're assuming that that the other players are kind of like just doing nothing. Or they're not going to be able to interact, then you want to be the aggressor and you want to force your opponent to have to have the interaction, right? Like, oh, you, your abrupt decay can't remove my get rug, so whatever. And if you try to remove my discard, then I'm going to win in response. So what you really need is the assassin's trophy, and you know what? That's one card in the deck. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, you the, need it. What it comes down to is if there's two frogs in a in a four player pod, it's gonna the, the non-frog players are usually usually just gonna decide which which one is going to win <laughs> because yeah. it's it's so hard to deal with both and uh, uh, even if you have like counter spells but then again you you know that there's only gonna be two players be uh, that are able to control the situation and that's already minus one player and then there's two frog players uh, it's in that situation it's very hard to not have a one frog player just go off so yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty rough to be the non-frog player in a, in a pod with two frogs yeah like when <laughs> it when it comes down to like um let's say um uh the frog the versus when it comes to the frog uh the duel of frogs if the if the two people are uh, in a bad ports position or just have blown out their interaction already and this game starts to grind then that's that's an interesting situation uh remember the uh 2017 tournament where we raiders grasped each other and uh-huh. uh uh i think neil sloth was playing teferi and we were just like raiders grasp uh, you raiders grasp my deck more and then i was something like uh play Bray's Grasp 
and proposing a shortcut that you will play my deck more as your land for the turn, or I get your yep. deck more. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah, and the idea like mutually like, assured destruction. Yeah, like, yeah I'm gonna take your deck more unless you play my deck more. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, then I just could strip mine so I could take your deck, the deck more into yep. my grave. <laughs> but it, ne- <laughs> it never, tricky. yeah, it never got into that because the chain veil Teferi just won before that could happen. But yeah, it was a stu- it was a pretty dumb game, and the three three DH games or the three player EDH games are usually that. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't think there's too much else to say about the mirror. Um, I have to say that does also sound like the world's luckiest Teferi player. Being yeah. in a pod where two Praetor's grasps resolved and neither of them took chain mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so our final question. Is it at all worth it to have sorcery and instant speed wind cons in the deck, or is it best to just focus entirely on a single instant speed wind combo, such as trophy wins? Uh, that's for my fellow. Um, oh, Kibson, you want to go? I, I personally don't see the benefit of having a sorcery speed wind con in the deck, in addition to other ones. I I'm of the same opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. How it, that adds value. Um, you can do the instant speed one at sorcery speed if you want to, but uh, I mean, if you want to have two uh, win cons, you've got to back up one. That That's a fine decision to make, um, but there's no reason to have one be sorcery and the other be instant. You might as well have both be instants. Um, and right, I mean, right now you can you can win by looping um, casting your, your Ulamog um, or the trophy. Yeah. With trophy. Set, yeah, summon, or you can loop trophy, or you can loop beast within if you're still on that. Um, and then I was, I was actually we were I talking know. earlier about the pot in the uh, before the podcast about um, how I was considering going back to a a mono black um, instant speed win con, uh, mm-hmm. so that you can have access. You can utilize like in the cleanup step, you can utilize your green mana as actual protection for resolving Ob's veil. Um, and, you know, it's, that's something, I think that's something that's worth considering. You know, you're, you're always going to have access to that Ulamog um, Savage Summoning and, and a trophy because those are probably never coming out, especially if you're on the, because uh, Ulamog I still think is better than Kozilek in generic list because it lets you put through, uh, push through Null Rod in some niche circumstances where you can't access yeah. green anymore because you've used your ESG. Um uh, and so I think Ulamog is still better than Kozilek g- generically. So you'll pretty much always have access to your, your Ulamog lines and your, your trophy lines, but having uh, the ability to push through ca- extra counter magic in the cleanup step by including that extra win con, you know, that's that's something worth considering. Uh, yeah. But again, and, I don't think I'd ever put a, a sorcery speed win con back in the deck. And, and the fact you mentioned also that, um, for example, if you're trying to win in response to like a flashhold player trying to go off. Yeah. Um, then if you just have the permanent removal stuff, you can get yourself into a, a, a bind if they go grab their um, what is it, Grand Abolisher, because um, then they can they can go off um, and and you can't do anything about it unless you are running the uh, uh, macabre and they're not doing the shuffle stuff where they can get it back and you know 
it, it convoluted back and forth. But if you have a way to actually kill people, like like a death verdict or something like that, then you can get around that sort of thing and just kill them outright in response to their flash. Um, so Idonis, uh, Leptis, and your list, you still have Praetor's Grasp, which lets you actually kill your opponents at sorcery speed, uh, and you're reliant on a non... You don't have a way to actually take them out of the game at instant speed. Um, you mentioned that you liked Praetor's Grasp, like just generically, so... Yeah, yeah, I agree with this uh, fine gentleman here that it you you don't need sorcerer speed. <laughs> Definitely, you don't need sorcerer speed uh, cards to go off. I play Praetor's Grasp just because of personal preference, and uh, it's not a win con card. Uh, first, it is a it is a way to get a grip of something. It's like it kind of works in the same way as uh, Thoughtseize would. You you get a fine grasp of somebody's hand when you grasp them, uh, pun intended. Um, but uh, at that first, you get the information of what they have in their hand. Second, you get to uh, play around that information by getting something that helps your game plan but uh, hurts them. Usually ad nauseum, but uh, there there are some corner cases, and uh, yeah, it's it's just I just see always have seen it as a strictly better Grim Tutor, which is why I still run British Grasp, and I after cutting it and readding it, I uh, overall just like the card. It's it is a, it is a backup win condition second, just because I see myself going off as a lot at sorcerer speed, but. Um, at uh, instant speed, I run the Beast Within instead of Ulamog, so I'm a kind of a conservativist rebel, I guess, uh, when it comes to uh, comparing my, my list with a Kibitsens or Noob Source deck. But yeah, just run the cards you like and you see most relevant in your in your metagame, I say. That's at least, that, that, uh, those are at least two, my two cents on the matter. The, the cool thing is with the deck like this where you can loop literally anything you can you can win with just about anything um so if they if you i mean there's there's a, a large selection of cards that will actually win you the game when you loop them um so yeah like like lefty said play play whatever is good in your meta um that also happens to be a win con if you're yeah. against a bunch of narthets run that yes verdict because you'll get narset all the time with it and then you also just win with it if you're up against all kinds of reanimator decks play the uh play the ebony charm and it's also a win con uh, but there's there's a lot of flexibility there and a lot of uh, a lot of potential to tune for your meta uh, and for what works uh, for your playstyle as well nice so I I just want to say anyone who's made it this far into the podcast, I mean you ha- you have to be like a Gitrog super fan. <laughs> just let's just oh, throw it on yeah. but like 
for two plus hours <laughs> all about yeah, getting I'm almost asleep. Yeah. <laughs> um and and you know what? There's still lots of things we didn't cover, you know, like early <laughs> early uh, we're not gonna get into them, but you know, uh early tutor targets. You know, what are you, what are you finding with your tutors? Are you finding, you know, uh like Sylvan Library, Loam, like when when to find all that stuff. Uh we didn't talk about many of our loops. Um there's there's still so much more details of, of Gitrog that you know we couldn't possibly cover in in this episode or or you know if we were to extend this for features like it's it's just so much content so definitely come to the Frog Discord and if if this has inspired you to ask any further questions or you want to know more stuff like about how to do chains of Mephistopheles that's something that maybe I should just I'll, I'll throw in maybe an explanation of, of me rec- uh, recording a uh, how to, how chains works. Just so that we have somewhere where it's explained and people can just yeah. put that on repeat because I've I've had to give that explanation a few times. It's not actually too hard. Um, and yeah, and I highly recommend looking at all the primers. Um, everybody's put a, a lot of work into the you know, with the content that's there um, and done a lot of thinking about these decks. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of good content out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, some of the primers are are some of the loops again. Like we like I said earlier are out of date so we might look into um getting together like a word doc or, or something like that where we can uh keep the loops up to date and, and have all the different variations because you know your your how you approach the cleanup step sculpt is not the same every time depending on stacks pieces blah 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 um so yeah we can we can look into getting that sorted but uh yeah all right um, uh let's let's wrap things up so the first thing i want to do is uh Give a massive thank you to both Leptis and Kibitzen, who What? No, thank you for me? Oh, come on. Well, I mean... <laughs> just yeah. kidding, just kidding. Yeah, uh, who, who agreed to do this, uh, you know, with with our group and provided some really interesting thoughts and some great discussions. So thanks to you both. Yeah, well, thank you for, thank you for inviting us. I am humbled and uh, also much appreciated for the... Uh, uh, for the for the thanks and yeah, uh, I'm I'm still here and able to talk about Gitrog and being able to uh, give my give my old timers opinion if you might call call it that uh, by but by the sheer fact that you guys are still uh, still around and uh, experimenting with the deck and yeah, it's good to see that. Gitrog has withstood the test of time very, very, very well, more than probably any any uh, other prevalent CDH deck out there. There are, of course, there are some like Storm and Atmos and stuff like Zerm, that. But yeah, uh, yeah, but like Gitrog is just consistently out there and consistent, mm. consistently beating out uh, other CDH decks. So. That's a thing. Also insanely popular. I'm constantly surprised by how many people are, are in oh, the uh, Gitrog no Discord <laughs> compared to other <laughs> other stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. Awesome. Okay. Uh, the next the next people I want to thank uh, is everyone who uh, has given us uh, any any form of support. Um, be that just comments on Reddit or on our Discord. Uh, and special shoutouts to uh, Emma Slover for our logo and his for our music. Um, our thank you audio engineer. Oh, yes, and our audio engineer, Kevin, cannot forget. Uh, and anyone who made it at least 90 minutes into this podcast, <laughs> you're a champ. Uh, um, yeah, so be sure uh, if you want to 
talk to us, be sure to join the Into the North Discord. If you want to learn more about Gitrog, join the Gitrog Discord. We'll make sure to link both of those. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, do you want more content like this? Which kinds of decks would you like us to go into? Were there any sections you found really helpful? Maybe some you thought you know, took a little too much time and maybe should be shortened in the future? Um, just any thoughts you have on you know, this type of content, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.